Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition, a live edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. We are live, Scott, at Glory Days Grill in Carrollwood on Dale Mabry Highway. This is awesome, not only to be here live, but we are sitting next to a Lombardi trophy here that the Bucks are hoping to bring home their second one just tomorrow. Can't wait for it. It's going to be a heck of a show today and a heck of a time tomorrow. It really is. The Buccaneers, John, they're trying to win this bad boy tomorrow night against the Kansas City Chiefs. So how cool is that? So we want you to come on down here to Carrollwood to visit us at Glory Days Grill, have some lunch. And it's going to be a fantastic time. And if you're looking for a place to maybe have your, your uh, Super Bowl party catered, well, the best place for the big game uh, is, is calling up the folks at Glory Days, visiting them online at Glory Days Grill. And, uh, and they've got some fantastic specials to talk about. But also we've got Celsius that's going to be on hand today with some free product giveaway. So if you haven't had the chance to try the Celsius energy drinks. Well, John, there's no, no better time than today. <laughs> no better time than today. We're going to need a couple with how much we're doing yes. for the Super Bowl and everything, so we're going to need these things. But what I love about Celsius, Scott, is that there isn't that letdown that you get later from other energy drinks. Yeah, and you also no have the bloated feeling you get from drinking soda and stuff like that. So can't say enough good things about it. Love Celsius and really pumped. That, uh, today's podcast, as all of them, are sponsored by our friends over at Celsius. That's not playing, but <laughs> but usually we have a Celsius commercial right here, and uh, it's not playing right now. For some reason. So we're going to go right back into talking about Celsius, and you know, Celsius they've got uh, a special one right now. to do is go to Celsius, uh, click on those, those banners on pewterreport.com. They're going to take you right to Amazon. And once you're there, you can save 30% off with the subscribe and save. So it's an awesome way to enjoy Celsius and save 30% while you're doing it. So uh, make sure that, that you're drinking Celsius when it comes to your Super Bowl uh, festivities oh, yes. and, and your workouts and everything. This is, this is the beverage of choice here at pewterreport.com. So now, John, we are here at Glory Days Carrollwood, and I'm going to have Jen Omer join us from, yes. from uh, Glory Days. Jen, come on over here. We've, we've got some tremendous food here, and if you haven't had the chance to, to eat at, at Glory Days, uh, you're, you're missing out. Jen, welcome to the Pew Report Podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, Jen, Glory Days has been a fixture here in the Tampa Bay community, serving sports fans for, um, for what, well over a decade now? Yeah, yeah, just about. Um, we've been, our first one was actually in New Tampa in 2013. Okay. So uh, we're a growing brand, but we got 12 locations and growing now. So it's very exciting with a, actually an opening next week. And that's going to be in Riverview. That's right. That's awesome. That's so right. we're at the Carrollwood location right now. I've got one by me in Wesley Chapel, which opened up just over a year ago. Yeah. That's fantastic. Where, where are the other locations 
in the Tampa Bay area. Yep, so uh, we're live here in Carrollwood. We've got two in Pinellas, uh, one in Brandon, one in Lakeland. We got one in Odessa, Lutz area. Um, and then we got Brooksville, Sarasota. So we're, we're trying to hit all those markets in our surrounding Bay area. And Jen, um, the good news is, this is a great place to watch the big game. But you guys are sold out right for tomorrow, all your locations. Yeah, we so are. Unless you have a ticket, Glory Days is not the place to go unless you want to get takeout food. That's Tell right. us about those specials. Absolutely. So yeah, we, we are sold out every year. Um, we sell out our restaurants uh, with reserved seats for guests get to come in and they get to pick where they want to sit so they can get the best viewing possible for the best game of the year. Um, so we did sell out. We started selling tickets well before we even knew the Bucks were going to make it to the Super Bowl this right. year. Um, so if you're going to be having your party at home, we have 550 wings of our best wings. These and are get phenomenal. 24 boneless free. Uh, we highly recommend you pre-order and call now um, so you can pick the time slot you want to have and you can come pick it up. We bring it to your car and uh, you'll be ready for the big game. And, and Jen, those are the boneless wings yeah. right there, right? So I was featuring the traditional uh, wings that you can get dry rub or with sauces. These are the, the boneless wings right here. And yeah. these are phenomenal as well. We, so. we hand cut our boneless um, and we also bread them ourselves. And then you get to pick from our 12 different sauces, whichever one you like. And uh, that's what we'll toss them in. And the thing too is this, this is one of my favorites. This is the, the buffalo chicken dip here with, with nachos. You gotta see this, this is phenomenal. This dip is fantastic. It's awesome. And you use the same type of buffalo sauce that, that you use on the wings as well. Yep, yep. And Jen, uh, one, one of my favorite things, and my, my wife Ashley, when we come to Glory Days, we always hit on the, the $5 margaritas, <laughs> yeah. right? Where we got one of these over here somewhere. Yep, let's, um, let's bring one of those in if we can. Um, our $5 Rita's are our number one selling cocktail. You get 24 ounces of our homemade margaritas. Look how big this is. Now, this, this typically, Jen, is, is when you look at, at a margarita and you go out and it's the special margarita. Yeah. It's in a small glass filled with ice. Yeah. Look how big this is. This it, is this is to the rim. Yes. Um, we don't skimp and we hand make our margaritas every day. And uh, again, it's one of our number one sellers. And the thing is, the margaritas are so good that you can not just have them here in Glory Days, but you can also get them to go as well. That's right. Um, you know, this came in handy when we were all in a shutdown during the pandemic. And this is when we were selling our gallons of margaritas. Um, people were picking them up when they were staying at home and getting it, getting them through the, the pandemic. Um, and we're still selling them and it's a great game day add-on uh, with your wings or your sliders for tomorrow or your nachos. Um, so we highly recommend you can get one of these boys for 20 bucks or you can get a gallon of sangria. It's $20 folks for, for a, a whole gallon of sangria or margaritas. or margaritas. You can get it flavored too. Yeah. So, so you've got you've got that to go. You've got the fifty wings, and then you're going to get twenty five boneless. Twenty four. Twenty four boneless 24 wings. Twenty four boneless wings at, at no charge. No that, charge. That's that's a heck of a deal. Yeah. Um, so if you can now, for people that, that might want to, to come in, and, and and you can order this today at GloryDaysGrill.com, or by calling your favorite Glory Day location. Right. 
you can order online on GloriaDaysGrill.com or you can call your nearest location and you put in your order and you literally can pick your own time slot to your convenience. But tomorrow we'll bring it right to your car. That's fantastic. Now, um, so Sunday is sold out and packed, but yeah. what can fans out there expect from Glory Days throughout the week because you have different specials we do. during the week? We do. Well, I'll give you a small tip. Okay. Okay, so we got something special we're planning on Monday. We are highly anticipating our Bucks to win, and we know that they're going to win tomorrow, and we're going to celebrate with a victory Monday. And so when the Bucks win tomorrow night, we're going to send out a blast, and it's a free pint of beer on Monday to come raise a glass wow. to our Bucks champ. So you're hearing it first right that's now. Awesome. Um, but that's our plan on Monday. But, yes, we do have other specials. We have all day, every day, happy hour, um, which is like no other restaurant. Um, we have Burger Monday where you can get our best burgers for $8.99. Um, we have Nacho Tuesday, our fish fries on mm -hmm. Friday. So we've got specials every day. Um, just go to our website at glorydaysgrill.com. That's awesome. Well, Jen, thanks for having us Thank out you. here. Appreciate We're super it. excited about the partnership. And Glory Days is also sponsoring the Pewter Predictions and Preview on pewterreport.com. We just put that article up on pewterreport.com yesterday. And that's going to be running all throughout the 2021 season. So we're going to be featuring a different menu item in each week. To get you in here to Lori Days, if you have not eaten here, it is my favorite restaurant in Tampa. And and uh, anybody that knows me knows that's the case. Uh, spends an awful lot of time at Lori Days. It's a great time with all the TVs to come in and, and watch sports. And, and, you know, listen, when football season's over tomorrow night, I mean, college basketball is going on. Lightning yeah. hockey. You've got the NHL, Major League Baseball getting ready to get picked up, NBA. So it's a great place to watch the sporting events. Uh, you guys are not shy when it comes to TVs. How many, no. how many TVs do you have in this location? We, do you even we know? average, yeah, we average around 50 to 55 TVs in yeah. every location and uh, with the best quality that we can. So, yeah, there's no bad seat. That's true. There's no bad that, seat. That's a fact. But Jen Ulmer, thank you so Thanks, much. Scott. Thank you for, for having us out here at Lori Days. Kara Wood, we're going to bring in John Ledyard back in here. as We've got a couple of special guests that are lined up that are going to be here. Around 12.30, we're going to have Martin Grammatica, and around 1 o'clock, we're going to have Dwight Smith. So, John, you eat some of this food here. This is your first time because yeah. you, you, you come down from Pennsylvania. Right. You, you moved to Florida in December. I'm just interested if you – do we can we be on screen and eating? I don't know what your policy is. I'm about. fine I'm with that. I'm not going to be able to help myself very much yeah, longer. You, you're welcome to dive into some wings or, yes, or some of this buffalo chicken dip, which is phenomenal. Eating wings live. On the air. It's not something I ever envisioned. I know. I know. Well, listen, we've got uh, some comments here from some of our uh, our loyal readers and and, uh, and visitors. Yes, we're going to get to Dwight Smith. We're going to talk about some of the controversy here. But Coy um, Christensen, here we go, baby. Currently on a plane flying to New York to watch the game with my brother. That's so cool. Lifelong Bucks fans. It's only right we watch it together. It's going to be different, John covering this Super Bowl, right? right. Actually being, uh, you know, this is our, our first time covering the game. When you look at, at uh, Super Bowl Sunday, usually we're with friends and families watching another team. Right. This year it happens to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John, how much credit are you going to be taking this year for um, for, for uh, helping the Buccaneers since this is your first year covering the team? It is funny. Thank we you do appreciate yeah, appreciate the super chats that are coming in now too. If you do have the ability to give us send us some super chat donations, greatly appreciate it. All that goes back in our Peter Report coverage of the team and of this Super Bowl run. And so we do greatly appreciate 
those super chats coming in and the fact that they've come in so steadily over this season. Um, Scott, I think I'm going to take all the credit if possible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I actually said to Britt the other day, I said, I don't know if you realize, I said, do you realize the Bucks haven't lost since we moved here? Their bye week, we moved during their bye week. That's right. They haven't lost since the bye week. So I'm like, this is a lot of pressure on this game. So if they don't win, it could be right. a long time. You know, so, John, you're saying it was the adjustments that Bruins, Iron Lipwich, and Todd Bowles made. But mainly. But it was also you moving to the state of Florida. Right. Mainly yeah. because I was moving to the state of Florida. And you are undefeated at Raymond James Stadium. That's true. So That's you've seen two games. Your, your first game was the yes. Vikings game. Yep. Then the Falcons game. Week 17, right. yes. So. 2-0 at the stadium. So, yeah, it'll be good. Put a lot to the test uh, tomorrow. And yesterday was my one-year anniversary, That's right. Report, which is super exciting. One year uh, with you all doing some awesome coverage. And obviously it's been a crazy year uh, in bad ways with COVID and good ways with the football team. And so it's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, it'd be nice to put a bow on this whole thing on yes. Sunday. But it's going to be difficult. We talked about it at length this week on the podcast. I've gone so far to skate, Scott. And I'm curious. You've been around the team way longer than right. I have. I've just kind of looked through. Mm-hmm. The Bucks win tomorrow in the Super Bowl against right. Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Where does that win rank for you, do you think, all time in Bucks history? Uh, it's tough because you know, I'm, I'm, this is my 25th year covering the Bucks, almost 26, 25. It's hard for me to put this ahead of the 2002 win, only because that was the first. first one, right. But, you know, John, sometimes the first time isn't always the best time, right? You know what I'm saying? True. For a lot of things. So I, I'm, uh, this this would have to be, I think, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. But if the Buccaneers do win, they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs team, it's going to be up there, and it, it might even surpass it. We'll have to see. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why I say it might even surpass it is because this is it at Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, it's in right. Tampa with Tom Brady, and yeah. and, it, and and it, it has its own different mystique to it. Yes. That. That other one had the mystique because it was it was a homegrown Buccaneer right. team built with Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Wandy Barber, Dwight Smith, Martin Gramatica, yes. Mike Allstott, um, players that, that were that were organically brought up within this organization. And, and this team has its share too. Right. Vita Vea, Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carl Davis, Donovan Smith, you know, uh, Ali Marpet. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so, I, I feel like. That's super. You're right. Like the first one, it's like always like you get have to harken back to that one in a lot of ways. But in my opinion, like the fact that they're an underdog, the fact that it's at home, the fact that they're such an underdog, right. Tom Brady's age, the fact that they went from a non-playoff team to being a playoff team and then right. a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl winning team in yeah. that scenario that we played out. Yeah. Like all of that coupled with the fact that the Chiefs might be on their way to being a dynasty yes. and might be. I mean, they might be one of the better teams we've seen in the oh, last no doubt. years. No doubt, yes. That puts a lot on this game to me. If the Bucks were to come away victorious, I, I think it would be one of the most impressive Super Bowl wins by a team ever. Yes. And, uh, you know, John, we, we got one of our of our special guests here. I see you, Jay Retcher from WDAE. Oh, come over here, man. This is let's, Jay. Yeah, let, let's get you on here. Sure. <laughs> yeah. What's up, man? What's up, man? Glad to find over here. So, so we are... We're here with, with you know one of our, our longtime members, WA and Jay Richard. Uh, congratulations! Thank you, afternoon show. Thank you very much. Um, you're, you're replacing a legend. Yeah, man, no pressure. Yeah, but at the <laughs> same time, right? That's how legends are born, right? That's right. I mean, Tom Brady was not supposed to be starting quarterback. That was Drew Bledsoe, right? True. And um, and all of a sudden, you know, something happens, and and, and it's Tom Brady's team. So it's like the Mo Lewis, I guess, <laughs> laid the hit on. So. Exactly, yeah. 
So, so Jay, um, you know, again, congrats to you and Ian Beckles. Uh, you're on every afternoon, WDE. What's the time slot? Three o'clock, three to seven now. Now that there's no more uh, coaches show through series, right. he's a little busy. He's probably going to be a little busy yeah, on Monday. So. so three to seven every day on WDA. And, man, what a time to be alive, man. Yeah. Just kind of coming in at the right time with the Buccaneers. Uh, what, what a historic run. And I'm yes. so happy for people that have been covering this team for so long, like yourself. I mean, yeah. This is just – it's an insane thing. It's, it's just it's supposed to happen like that. I know, right? Fans of Tampa Bay, uh, but man, <laughs> but, but listen, what a year! And you, you really started this right with with the Lightning, yeah, and then the Rays, and now the Buccaneers. So it's crazy how all of a sudden Tampa, in the midst of all this COVID, has become title town. Yeah, Tampa Bay. I mean, that's, Tampa we had Bay. Titus yeah. O'Neill on with us yesterday, and he goes, "I know it sounds a little hokey," and I go, "Yeah, it sounds hokey if it's not true, right?" But even, I mean, and you feel the love. I mean, people say Team Tampa Bay. In the introductory press conference last Friday, the representative from the NFL goes, yeah, first time I heard Team Tampa Bay, it was kind of right." But he's like, they're really, the support is real. At the Lightning game last night at Emily Arena, five, six times, it was good luck Buccaneers. They play play weekend in the background, so they have the flag up inside the tunnel before they hit the ice. So it's really cool to see the love from uh, all the teams in Team Tampa Bay. And the thing is, we, we just had a post on there from Adam over in Ireland, who's a big fan of our podcast. Here you've got uh, Timo Gilbucks from Germany, been a subscriber since the magazine days when shipping was more expensive than the magazine itself. Will win 34 to 28 tomorrow. What is your prediction? What, what are you thinking uh, about this this Bucks Chiefs uh, matchup? Obviously, week 12 didn't quite get it done. Started off 17 nothing in the hole. They came back, made it a game late, couldn't get the ball away from Mahomes, lost 27 24. Jay Rescher, what are you thinking about tomorrow night? Well, the big thing with me, I think the Bucks have shown whether it's in game or whether it's throughout the season of adjustments. Yeah. I think they're going to look at that game, but they're also going to self-assess and go, "Hey, what? How are we different?" And you talk, you guys talk about this a lot as well. As much as the players have gotten better right. this year, the coaches have gotten better over yes. the year too. Yeah. So Byron Leftwich knows, "Hey, what plays work, what plays don't work." Right. I think Todd Bowles, he's kind of going to be the key here. Yeah. Loves that pressure, but. It's not necessarily what you do about the moment. Well, exactly. Uh, but I think the key here early on is the Buccaneers starting fast. Yeah. The Chiefs, we've seen that in the playoffs we've seen the last couple of years. It takes a little while for them to kind of get going. I think if the Buccaneers get seven instead of three early on, it's going to be a huge key. I got 35, 30 Buccaneers taking it home. There you go. I got 34, 31. So we're, we're, we're thinking along the same lines. It's going to be points. Oh, yeah. For there people that think it's yes. going to be a low-scoring game, I don't know so much yeah. about that. But it's going to be entertaining. I think I that's agree. the most important thing. For Tampa fans, Kansas City fans, or fans from all around the world, this all eyes are going to be on Tampa yeah. Bay. Uh, in you know tomorrow, less than twenty four hours away, everything's going to start getting ratcheted up. It's very exciting. You know, the interesting thing is you and I both have a point total over thirty. Jay, when this Buccaneer team scores thirty points or more, they're eleven and zero this year, including six straight games. And so that's six out of out of the seven that they've won. The Buccaneers' seven game winning streak is actually the longest in franchise history, even in. Even when they finished 12, 12 and four in the two thousand two season, they didn't win seven in a row. They only won one six. So this is the longest winning streak the Buccaneers are on. And you know what? Everyone's hoping it's going to get to eight, right? <laughs> Let's do it, man! Eight in a row. I'm down with that. It's it's been a hell of a ride, man. And just and you heard Devin White and Tom Brady talk about it after the last game. I think they played their best game. Exactly. If they yeah. can play their best game tomorrow, I mean, they'll be Super Bowl champions for the second time in franchise history. I agree. So. Uh, we've got a fan here, Bucks fan in, in New Jersey since 1980. I mean, this is really – I'm sure you've taken some calls this week too, not just from Tampa Bay area fans, but from fans probably around 
Yeah, around, around the, country, the country, around right. the world. Yeah. yeah, and that's the great thing about the iHeart app is that people still listen to us. And mm -hmm. we always think so much about people, and you know this, about yeah. people leaving their homes and coming here to Tampa yeah. Bay, like the majority of the people that we know. Right. But there's also a slew of people that started here and right. have gone elsewhere and go, hey, man, we've been waiting for this. We had a guy on earlier this week. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been a Bucks fan for since the beginning, and I've been waiting for a day like this. And it's just, it's crazy how much sports really means to people. Yeah. Really changes their whole perspective on their on their own daily life. So yep. yeah, it's been a great kind of tie-in for everybody. And you know, Team Tampa Bay spreads far and beyond the Sunshine State. Have you had some of these these Buffalo? Uh, dip, Not today, dip but you just dive you in, my friend. Oh, it's man, so this good. This is how we roll. We're this is how we're, we're going to roll. Now, you know, you were mentioning Jay about the uh, the what what I call the displaced Buccaneer fans, right? The mm. fans that, that start here or have it have an affiliation to that. And I think there's really two groups of fans and. For, for you viewers out there that are longtime Pewter Report subscribers back when we had a magazine, back in what was called Buccaneer Magazine, um, we would have kind of two groups of fans. One from, from the UK, right? Because yeah, a, a lot of people would vacation in Florida from England. And then they kind of latch on to this American football, and the Buccaneers became their team because of, of those, those weekends and weeks spent at Clearwater and St. Yeah. Pete and at the beaches. And then the other ones are are the, the, the folks at McDill. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, you have point. people that are stationed in Tampa that latch onto this team, and then they get deployed to Germany. They get deployed, you know, to the, the West Coast or the Pacific or different uh, stations all across the country, Pensacola. Um, and, and they become Buccaneer fans. So when, when we would send out our, our printed copy of the magazine, we would we would send some overseas and, and – and, uh, uh, team Open Germany was exactly right. The the shipping, the international <laughs> shipping would cost more than the actual subscription. But we had diehard Buccaneer fans that would go out there and, and do that. Worth the content, man. We still actually have some old <laughs> magazines at WDAE, the old That's Buccaneers cool. magazine. It's got your name on it. It's great. But you're right. I mean, we have people that hit us up on Twitter, especially. I mean, yeah. imagine if we didn't have Twitter. Oh, it's yeah. It's so crazy, especially overseas in England. There's so many people that chime in. Yes. Even though the times aren't always the best for them, they either right. listen to the content or watch the content. They're there. They're dedicated. Yes. It could be four or five in the morning. They don't care. They want their Buccaneer coverage. And I can't tell you, at least once a week, we get somebody from McDill. Hey, I got five minutes. I just wanted to call in and talk about the Bucks. Hey, we're in Fort Hood or Fort somewhere else. And we're saying, hey, we were stationed in McDill back in the early 2000s. And I grew up you know, being a, a Warren Sapp fan. Right. And those people still call in. So those, you know, those pewter colors really, they, uh, they cut deep, man. They really, exactly. They, people are just such huge Buccaneer fans, and it's been worth the wait for them. Well, Jay, we really appreciate you coming out tonight. Thank you, buddy. And uh, um, I would imagine that, that should the Buccaneers win, well, let's not say should, let's say will, when the yeah. Buccaneers win on Sunday night, you're going to be having one hell of a victory Monday show. Well, we might have a victory Monday, Sunday night, Monday morning. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be crazy. We're ready to be on all night long. So that's going to be crazy. I yeah. slept in my office when the Lightning won the Stanley that's Cup. Right. I'm fully prepared to sleep in my office once again when the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. Uh, we're on tomorrow. We're going to be on all night. It's going to be crazy. And, of course, we love having you guys on with us. Man. Absolutely. The whole crew of Pew Report and WDA. It's, it's such a great a, partnership. Such a great yeah. partnership, man. And it's one of those things when people ask me, Oh, where do you guys go for your Buccaneer coverage? And I say, right here, brother. <laughs> you can't beat it. The mailbags, the, the podcasts that you guys do. Um, and I love it because it's you, it's Mark, it's John, it's it's Matt and Taylor. Everybody, yep. Cliff does a great job with the photos. I mean, Absolutely. it really is it's a team effort. And I think that's the best thing 
in all sports media. You yeah. know, it's when you, it's not when it's just one figurehead guy. It's when everybody's chiming in. You guys do such a fantastic job. And people go, did you read this? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I <laughs> read them every week. So yeah, it's a, it's a great partnership. And uh, yeah, pewterreport.com, you guys are going to, I'm sure you guys are going to be all over it the next 24 hours. We are. It's, it's been a long two weeks. It's going to be culminating tomorrow <laughs> night, you know, and then we're going to hopefully have uh, some awesome Victory Monday coverage for the Buccaneer fans. That's true. Jay, thank you so thank much you for stopping by. Appreciate you. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah, this, this food's phenomenal. John, yeah, man. John, you got to get in here and try some of this buffalo chicken dip. Okay, so right. full disclosure, yes. while I was not on the air there for a moment, I ate several wings and yes. a pretzel stick, and they were all phenomenal. So, yes, yeah. I'm going to try this. And this John, is your favorite. Yes, that's, that's, that's outstanding. So one of the one of the, the cool things about the Riverview location, John, is you live close to it. So you're going to have a glory days right in your neck of the woods. See, for me, I'm spoiled because I got – uh, a glory day is literally 10 minutes from my house at Wesley right. Chapel. So I think you're going to be experiencing the same thing. Well, it's going up. It's probably, I mean, it's down a couple of miles. It's probably three miles from my house. Nice. And I've seen him putting it up. Yeah. And you've told me about glory days and how good the food was for a while. Like, I started, I think. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I'm very excited. I think this week is when it opens. I think this upcoming week. Maybe yes, this upcoming I think week so. Yeah. Today, maybe. Or something, or yeah. Or yesterday. But, yeah. So, Bucks coverage. Yes. Chiefs game. Super Bowl we have yep. coming up. We do love talking about all these other things, but at the, at the heart of this is, and there was a question up here. I'm going to scroll yeah, up go for it. it. Uh, While you do that, I'm going to grab this margarita, John. Yeah, grab that margarita and start chugging. Here's a good question. There was a good question for you in here. Charlie Abrahams, who's a faithful listener, says, so I'm dying to ask you this, SR. In your opinion, win or lose, has JP already done enough to be inducted into the box ring of honor? Wow. That's a fantastic question. Um, I don't know what it takes. What's the least, I don't want to say least deserved. Yeah. That seems mean, but how many years, like, as the guys that have been in the box ring of honor, I don't know as well as you do. Is that like a no, there's, years there's, 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 there's no particular um, criteria. It's something that lasers kind of, kind of choose. But, John, all right, so this is a great question, Charlie. This is a fantastic question. Here's my line of thinking. If Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl this year, I think he's in the ring of honor. Oh, Tom Brady. Yeah, right? I didn't know where you were going with that. I'm, I'm just saying, right? So, so I mean, this is the greatest quarterback season for a Buccaneer. Uh, I mean, the yards aside, it's the touchdowns. Now, Brad, John, Brad Johnson – couldn't make an argument for being in there too, then, because he he brought this team to twelve and four in the Super Bowl. But I'm just saying, well, he's Brad Johnson at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love Brad, we right. do. But but I, I, what I'm saying is, I don't think Tom Brady's done. He's got next year, sure. and they could be back in this game. You know, uh, where's the Super Bowl next year? Where's the location? Remember? I don't. All right, well, wherever it is, I, I, I'm just somebody throw it in the chat. I'm, I'm just saying, I I think there's two or three. Um, years here where Tom Brady is going to cement his ring of honor status. Okay. So having said that, if, if Brady can get in the ring of honor with only one or two or three years, doesn't JPP who this is his third season in Tampa Bay. He's been the Bucks leading sacker twice. He's a one-time pro bowler with this team. Would that be enough to qualify him if they win the Super Bowl? You know what I think helps his cause? I think if he ends up being the Super Bowl MVP, 
Oh, that would help us cause. I, I think that would help us cause. Yeah. I'm not ready to put JPP in there yet, but what I am thinking is, is he's got another year too. He's gonna be back. Yeah, yes. He's start, yes. So. so he's got another year to help build that case, but I wouldn't rule him out. I, I think the surefire guys that are on this Buccaneer team that are going in, surefire, are Levante David and Mike Evans. Those are the two players for sure that I think are because of what they've done over their Buccaneer careers. And now and now they finally have had that missing piece, the postseason, right, to get in. And um, uh, and, I, and we'll have to see. I think Devin White has Pro Bowl ability. He's got, he's, he's got that, that type of Pro Bowl caliber uh, ability, and he's already in the Super Bowl now. Yeah. So, and we'll, we'll, we'll see who – who comes, uh, you know, down the pike? I mean, I think for offensive linemen, it's all about longevity, right? Paul Gruber was in there because he was an Iron Man. Um, I know fans may not like him, but Donovan Smith is playing his best football he's ever played since the bye week. Right? And this guy is an Iron Man at left tackle, and I don't think he's going anywhere next year, John. I think we can kind of break some news. Yeah, the Bucks are going to have to do some some salary cap maneuvering next year. If it's going to involve Donovan Smith, John, it's going to involve a, a short-term contract extension, add a year or two on, and then maybe go ahead and uh, and lower that cap number from fourteen point two five million to ten million, something like that, and, and give him the guaranteed money. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I think. And, and keep this in mind, you know, I know everybody's thinking about the Super Bowl, but I know there are fans out there that are like, okay, what's going to happen after this? Like, what's going to happen? With- right the free agents and stuff like that. We will get to that. We'll have comprehensive coverage of all that. We have notes on all these guys. We've been doing our homework on it. We're ready. We're just waiting for the topic to move that direction. But I do want to say this to Bucks fans, no matter what happens on Sunday night, if the Bucks want to bring back Chris Godwin, Devontae David, Bob Gronkowski, and Shaq Barrett, and then keep Ryan Jensen and Donovan Smith, they can do it. And I think they're going to want to keep the team intact. Yes. Personally, I'll be surprised if those guys are in the house. So Dominic right. Sue, what do you want to do? And, and how cheap are you willing to do it for? But He's the second yeah, oldest yeah. D-tackle in the league to take right. a snap this year, Scott. So, yeah. in my opinion, Sue is either retiring or coming back, no matter what happens in this game. I think the same thing with Steve McClendon, really, if the Bucs want him back. Yeah. He doesn't – the money, he's the oldest defensive tackle. Right. playing to take a snap this season. Yeah. And so, you know, for him, it's come back or retire, I think. And yeah. so, those guys, they have kind of a leverage advantage. Same with Gronk. Gronk's already said he's, he's coming back. So, he has lost any leverage. Not that he cares about that anyway. Right. Um, the other guys, Antonio Brown, that's the one every fan's going to want to know yeah. about. I don't know whether – it depends. What and playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny, yes. Playoff fans Lenny. do want to know about playoff Lenny. I don't expect it for Lenny, but I do think A.B., it's going to depend what he's asking for and what else he's getting out there, really. Yeah. I think A.B. will chase the money wherever that is. This Agreed. was to resurrect his career. Right. He'll chase the money now, yeah. I think. But what is he going to get? How much guaranteed is he going to get? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he needs another year to react. Well, know. And, and maybe he needs Tom Brady, right? I mean, I think that might be a little, a little bit of a, of a cause of concern for some NFL teams out there, John, is, is okay, Antonio Brown did great in half a season in Tampa, living at Tom Brady's house with Bruce Arians and all these ex-Steeler teammates that he had and coaches that kind of kept him in line. And he was a, a good boy for, for eight you know, yeah. um, well, not eight weeks. Now, because we're looking at it. ten weeks, right? Eleven, yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if that's if that's uh, gives some teams pause out there and say, okay, well, yeah, you were great in that environment in Tampa, but I don't necessarily want to give you a king's ransom. You know, pull up a Brinks truck to the back of your house, dump off a, a, some money, and then have you revert to the guy that 
you know, worked his way out of, out of uh, Las, Las right, Vegas, yeah. Oakland, whatever it was, yeah. you know. No, I agree. And it's going to be an interesting situation with him on a lot of levels. I mean, he's also got, I th I've lost track of the dates now, but I think he's got some legal stuff coming up too. That yeah. That's going to have a lot to do with whether he plays again or not. So yeah. um, that stuff's all still, still coming around. So James White. But it's interesting, right? We're talking about free agency, and it is funny on Twitter, right? And it probably gives Buccaneer fans, John, a little bit of a heart attack maybe to, to sit there and see, like, oh, gosh, oh, no. Um, you know, the, the Colts are going to be after Chris Godwin. Okay, well, let him get Chris Godwin because I think he's going to get franchised. I think oh, yeah. Chris Godwin's going to get the franchise tag, and they're going to try to uh, to, to do a, a long-term deal with Shaq Barrett. Mm -hmm. But but it's kind of funny to see, you know, uh, the so-and-so team is looking at Jack Barrett as, as free agent number one, pass right. rusher, and all that. I, I think the Bucks are going to get the first right of first refusal from a lot of these guys because of the success they had. But since we're talking free agency, James White in a Bucks uniform, it's interesting, John, because if Fournette goes, we know that Sean McCoy is not going to be back given his age. So you've got Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, two guys. You're going to need two more. One of those guys, and, and I think if there's been one bone to pick in this offense for Tom Brady, is it hasn't been that reliable pass catcher. We've seen the drops by Fournette. We've seen the drops from Rojo. But but having that, that pass catching running back out of the backfield, and John James White, Rex Burkett, Deion Lewis, all three guys have played with Brady in New England, all going to be free agents. There's a lot of options they could go to. I mean, I said this throughout the season. It's not necessarily a really difficult position to fill. They just kind of missed one. It's the only thing they missed on baseball all offseason. Now, they've obviously got capable people. It's not like they, you know, there's a lot of guys that play running back in the NFL. It's probably one of the positions that I would say that's deeper around the league. And Fournette's been a capable receiving back. Pass projection is really where they hurt. I always go back to Scott, and I know we said some listeners mentioned this, but Dare Ogunwale, if they had kept him right. and maybe not signed LaShawn McCoy, right. do you think – I mean, you watched Dare protect for years, but yes. I just came in watching last year's tape. I thought he was the best pass protector back then. I did too. I like Dare. I wish he had stayed for sure. Sorry, I'm getting down on these nachos. They're just too good. Oh, no, you're good. Go ahead. We're here for two hours, folks. So That's I'm right. Eat too. <laughs> But yeah, no. So I, I think it's like one of those things. Dario Gumbwale, like you can fill the role. Um, I don't know that you need to use a first round pick on it, but we'll certainly be talking a lot about that when the offseason comes to. James White will be a possibility. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, I think that there's definitely uh, we're getting offseason questions. I wasn't I expecting this today, but we got to tackle them. Animal asked for a five dollar super chat. And we appreciate that. Animal, could you foresee the Bucks drafting a quarterback this year? I mean, I think it's possible they yeah. will start doing their homework on right. this year. I would bet against it, uh, yeah. at least in the first round. I'm assuming we're talking about early in the draft. I think I bet against it uh, right. at this point in the draft. I just think that they have other needs they want to fill, but more than anything, I think you're going to see four yeah. or five quarterbacks come off the board before the Bucs get yeah. in the first round. So at that point, what are you getting? I mean, and it's not the year to kind of give up a lot of resources probably to move up. I mean, it could be if somebody right. looks like they're falling a little bit, Lamar Jackson style, you know, if somebody's yeah. falling like that. Um, but more than likely, I think you'll see them pass on quarterback. Sure. It could take a mid-round, late flyer, another one, uh, and you'll see them evaluate other positions. Yeah. Well, the, the thing to me, John, is when you look at there, – there's a you know a handful of good quarterbacks in this in this draft. And, and, again, we'll do plenty of draft shows and get into this 
uh, hard and heavy at that time. Sure, we'll take a Celsius. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. We got Celsius here, folks. So if you haven't had the chance to come on down to the Carolwood Glory Days, now it's the time. Celsius got here with some cold energy drinks. Raspberry green tea one. I haven't even tried this one yet. I'm so excited. No doubt. Food and Celsius, guys. And Buck's Bucket, it ain't better than this. Oh yeah. Super Bowl weekend, let's go. So um, when, it, when it comes to quarterbacks, um, and I've told Jason like this. I, I do give Jason my, my two cents. Sometimes in person, sometimes via text. Uh, it's unsolicited, but he listens sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't. But but um, I can tell you sometimes when he does listen, but we'll do that off the air. Uh, but when it comes to, to quarterbacks, I've now seen this franchise draft Josh Freeman and also draft Jameis Winston. That's 10 years of quarterback right, that were drafted in the first round, which is if you're going to draft a quarterback, that's really when you want to do it. You want to get one of the elite premier guys. Right. And, and the, the problem with that is John, neither one of them worked out. Yes. There was a 10 and 6 season uh, for, for, um, for Freeman. It was a nine and seven season for Winston. Yeah. But neither one of them got the bust of the playoffs. Neither one of them could sustain the success. That's what you want a quarterback for. To, to help your, your franchise sustain success. And so to me, uh, I, I think I think that's you know that, that's something that is concerning when you when you draft a rookie quarterback. Uh, is for every Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, there are tons and tons and tons of misses. Right, and it's, it's the hardest position to evaluate. I mean, everybody's got the misses, and that's if you're drafting, you know, at the very top with James Winston, an overall pick. And it took five years for him to figure out the end the guy. So, yeah, it's a very difficult position, and that's why it's so important if you're picking 31 or 32, you know, lower right 32, then you're not in position of getting the best quarterback in the draft almost all the time. I mean, yeah. the Russell Wilson, Tom Brady situations are the exception, right. overwhelmingly, rather than the rule. So, I just think it's very important that people are realistic about you can get a quarterback in 30 and 32, but you're not almost certainly not getting the best quarterback in a draft like this, right. where there's probably five going to be gone at that point. You're probably not getting anywhere close to the best one. Yeah. So you were literally taking one to take one. Right. And I said this when they took Keyshawn Vaughn. That's just a bad strategy right. for a draft period. You don't want to do it with any position. Yeah. Definitely don't want to do it. Now, I see some value, right, in, in having somebody learn under Tom Brady, right, to sure. learn under the best quarterback in Tampa Bay history and NFL history. So there is a value to that. The only problem, though, when you're looking at, at, at having a quarterback in, in the draft is if you don't hit, it's, it's a wasted pick. Right. And, 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 John, you look back at and all of, the, um, all of the, the quarterbacks that have helped this team get to the playoffs, yeah. right, have been, in 2002, Brad Johnson. In 2005, it was Brian Greasy. Now, now Chris Sims came in and helped out after the, the, the broken, or the, uh, the 20 CL, actually, oh, by, by Greasy. Yeah. I'm trying to remember yeah. injuries for a yeah. Sims injured the spleen, but that was in a non-playoff year. Okay. But, but then you look, in 2007, it was, it was Jeff Garcia. And then this year, right, it's been Tom Brady. It's all been free agent quarterbacks. Yeah. And by the way, when you look at at Bruce Arians, you know that's for you, baby. Yeah, we got a margarita yeah. for you. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you've got Carson Palmer right yeah. out there, and and yes, he had some success 
with with Andrew Luck, right. who was the number one overall pick, but Luck was was an exception, right? Maybe right. that was a lucky pick. Right. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Now you can't let the past scare you off from doing something in the right. future, too. You know what I mean? Like this this is a team that will probably need to draft a quarterback. That's how most teams find their success at the position. And this is kind of going to be an offseason where there's a lot of quarterback movement, and the Bucs will be one of the few teams not involved, probably. Right. Which that doesn't happen very often. So probably not going to happen again very soon. And so what you've got probably is a situation where there'll be movement, but the Bucs won't be involved, and then you'll have less movement after that moving forward. So I don't know whether the Bucs will be able to capitalize on another prime free agent or a trade, like if you consider Carson Wentz still a good quarterback or quarterback that has promise. So I say that to say I think the most likely outcome for this team eventually at the quarterback position is going to be to draft one. But I'm also not rolling out two more years of Tom Brady. In fact, I would say right. – I mean, obviously next year is guaranteed, but I would say two more years of Tom Brady would be what I would bet on at this point in time. Now, can we talk about – I don't know what JT is talking about here. Thoughts on Shaq's girlfriend posting about him signing with the Jaguars on her Instagram story? Yeah. Well, I don't know what this means. That, that violates uh, all NFL protocol because free agency does not start until later. In, also, isn't Shaq married? Or is he not married? I can't remember. But either way, yeah. what do the Jaguars have to do with anything right now? Yeah, well, I, I will say this. That, um, we need more details. Yeah, but my good friend, Joe Cohen, who was the, the – the Bucks defensive line coach. I got to know Joe when he was down here in Tampa. Then he went up to Baltimore to be the the Ravens defensive line coach, and uh, now he's the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive coordinator. Right. That's really cool. Right. And uh, so I'm really happy for Joe. And yeah, Joe's going to be looking for pass rushers. That's what no he's question. all about. No question. And Shaq will be in demand. But at the same time, they've also drafted two in the first round in the last two years. Yes. But I think you're right. They're still looking for him. So yeah. that tells you all you need to know about that. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Shaq Barrett gets, uh, you know, his his play in free agency. Oh, he'll get play if he for is. For sure. For sure. But the, the, the thing about about uh, Shaq is, um, in, and I was asked uh, when I did the, the taping for the Insiders on WDE, yeah. who was who my pick if it's going to be a defensive player for the MVP, who would it be? And and the, the player that I picked was Shaq Barrett. He's got a great matchup, right? Yeah. Uh, Andrew Wiley, the right guard, is moving to right tackle because Mike Remmers, who was filling in at right tackle for Mitchell Schwartz, their best offensive lineman, is now moving to left tackle. So this is almost like the Green Bay situation all over again, John, where David Bactieri's out, and it prompted the Packers a couple weeks ago to move Billy Turner from right tackle to left tackle. Right. And then you have then you bring in Rick, Rick Wagner off the bench to play right tackle. Rick Wagner got schooled by Shaq for three sacks. Right. I could see Andrew Wiley, who's a guard, coming in at, at right tackle, getting school for three sacks. And to me, John, in a year where Shaq Barrett underwhelmed in terms of, of, of statistics, sure. not pressures, he was second in the league in pressures, but in terms of getting the quarterback on the ground and the forced fumbles, eight sacks right. compared, to, compared to 19 and a half. John, if he's the defensive, if he's the, the Super Bowl MVP, and Shaq gets three sacks in the Super Bowl as a result. That's the equivalent of him getting 19 and a half sacks because he will be that will, that will be the story. Oh yeah, right on Monday. Doesn't matter who his opponent was. That'll be the story. Exactly. And and what what a bigger stage you couldn't ask for a bigger stage if you're Shaq Barrett heading into free agency than than to have uh, that type of command performance in the right. Super Bowl. Right. No, I completely agree. I think that you know he he has been really impressive in the playoffs. Shaq, like so many Buccaneers, I know this is going to sound so cliche to fans and guys, but he's not wired like a lot of football players that I've covered in my life. There's yeah. a lot of guys in the Bucs like that. Like, yeah. 
I wasn't sure. I'll be honest with you, Scott. I wasn't totally sure what to make of it at first. I thought, man, like there's a lot of players on this team that they're just like, really nice guys and are really about team first. Everybody yep. says it. Some guys actually like, live it. And right. I'm not saying Shaq's going to take considerably less money or anything like that. I think that he's going to get paid for sure. Right. Uh, but it's definitely a situation in my mind that he's going to consider what's happened in Tampa and what yep. has the opportunity to happen over the next two years pretty strongly before he makes any free agency decision. I think Agreed. it's really important. And just on that one of the, the nicest team-oriented Buccaneers. Yes. We got one of the nicest team-oriented Buccaneers of all time here in Martin Grammatica. I love it. Martin, why don't you come around and join me here? Super Bowl kicker, Martin Gramatic. I love, look at this shirt, man. This is fantastic. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Absolutely, yeah. So we got Martin Gramatic, a Super Bowl champion here. Martin, you want to come a little closer? Yeah, the new his Sure. I don't want to like, breathe all over his plate. No, no worries. We're good. Yeah, we got all this food here from Glory Days. How's that? So, uh, how are you, man? This, this is exciting, right? Oh, man, it's super exciting. Yeah. I can't. It's like surreal still, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't think we're gonna really. It's gonna hit till we uh, see the team kind of come out of the tunnel. Right. That's, that's kind of how I feel. I didn't. I didn't really realize I was in the Super Bowl yeah. until our <laughs> bus drove up to the stadium and then you saw everything Super Bowl flags, right, right. banners, everything. So that's kind of when it hit me. So uh, as a fan now, I think that's gonna hit us when we come out of the tunnel. So the interesting thing is, is Martin is you know you were the Super Bowl kicker 18 years ago in 2002. But Martin, you've been covering the Buccaneers. I have. Right? You've been you've been actually in the stadium, so you're dialed into this Buccaneer team. And uh, what are your thoughts on on them making the Super Bowl in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium? Yeah, no, it's been amazing to do the uh, the Spanish broadcast for the mm -hmm. team, and they made me uh, feel part of the team again. It made me get close to the team because before that, you know, I, I followed my right. everything, but you have your life. You know, sure. I have kids play sports. I'm all over the place on the weekends now. I have to watch every single game, which yes. is amazing. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm super proud of the uh, perseverance from this team. You know, right. For the last 18 years, I've not been the greatest. Right. And all of a sudden, you build a team that it's uh, Super Bowl or bust. Right. And to be able to achieve that, because it's not easy, the pressure these guys were under. Because yes. When you build a team, and not just the players, but you know the organization, you know, Jason right. Light, the coaches, you got to win today. And they achieve that. That's amazing. I mean, because how many teams build themselves to win now, right? And now look at the future and, oh, yeah. and never make it. That's I mean, right. Look, look the, New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints are a prime example, right? They, they mortgage their future. The, the Saints are like ninety-two million dollars over the salary cap next year. And Drew Brees is going to be gone. I mean, they they had four shots at it. They were NFC South champions four years in a row, and they didn't they didn't make it, right? And it was the same as the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago. That's right. right. Well, they were paper champions. They yeah. called them. Yeah. 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 Well. That pressure is not easy. And, right. And, well, when you have the goal, though, that it helps a little bit. The, the, I just, the whole year I've been saying, let's just get to the playoffs. It doesn't matter if we're one seed or seven seed. Right. Just get in. Just get in, yeah. He'll figure it out. He'll get us to the Super Bowl, and uh, thank God it's happened. All right, so uh, we're going to get on memory lane here a little bit oh, with you, Martin, okay? I'm scared when you pull out the phone. <laughs> no, I just got some questions here. So, so um, you know, it's funny when – when Jason Light spent that second round pick on Roberto Aguayo, fans were like, you don't draft a kicker, come on. I was like, wait a minute, you do draft a kicker, he's the right guy. Because Martin Gramatica was the third round draft pick in 1999 by the Buccaneers. Yeah, it was a dream come true. It's one of those phone calls that I'll never forget. Yeah. You know, when uh, Rich McKay picked, uh, picked up the phone, called me, and then uh, Tony Dunn jumped on the call and yeah. welcomed me to the team, and you're going to be a Buccaneer. Because, honestly, if I had to choose a team, it would be the Bucs. You know, yeah. I was playing at USF. Right. Sandel played after that. My wife went to USF. But 
I, I didn't know her then, but still, uh, it was pretty good. So I wanted to come to Tampa. Yeah. But obviously, when you get drafted, you go anywhere. Yeah. But I mean, to get drafted by what I thought, believe my home team was amazing. Well, the cool thing for me, being a Kansas State alum, was I saw this guy. Um, you know, I, I, hey, John. Can you cue up that, that uh, Grammatica clip here? Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get that memory later. I told you, right? Let's see if we can get this thing. Uh... Snap down. Grammatica's kick is up. The kick is long enough. The kick is good. He knocked it in there. 65-yard field goal from R.T. Grammatica. It's a new Kansas State record, and the Cats will go to the locker room with a 59-7 lead. Yeah. There you go. So that was a 65-yarder that you made at Kansas State, our alma mater, you know, and and, and uh, that was a, a Luke Rosa year for you. Uh, that was, yes. Yeah. The, 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 the awesome thing about that is just the team. We saw how excited yeah. they were for me. That's the type of team that we had. We were yeah. really united, really close. And that's what we built here in Tampa. We've totally done it. Yes. We started to build something like that, and then obviously Gruden got us over there. But, but yeah, when you play on teams like that, it's amazing. It's- well, it, it was so cool, too, because uh, obviously everybody knew about your celebrations. You're, like, you could, you, you're a soccer player at heart. Like, you could not uh, – that was your goal. Like, that was goal. You know, that, it was you making the points for, for the team. And so – um, your your Buccaneer teammates totally embraced that here, and they loved your celebrations. Yeah, no, it was, it was great because at first when I got to the NFL, you, know, you just don't know how people are going to act. And uh, I remember uh, Trent Dilfer was our quarterback in my rookie year, yeah. he was all fired up in the first time I did it. And I did it in the preseason. I'm like, look, oh, yeah. that's my Super Bowl right now. I just made it to the NFL. I don't care if it's regular season, season. I'm excited to be yeah. here. I'm excited to score points. So, yes, for me, it was like a soccer game. I, yeah. I just don't understand how guys can do something – Positive to their team, and right. it's like, oh, I'm used to like, oh man, you gotta get excited. And it's sports are fun and excitement. Oh yeah, and, and that really endeared you to this this fan base, like, like no other. You know, I mean, I, I think still today you're probably the most popular kicker. You know, and of course that that's not too hard because we've seen some really bad kickers here. But at the same time, though, you winning the Super Bowl, um, your your Pro Bowl season, um, just the, the the celebrations that you had were, were legendary. So the interesting thing is, is what brought you to Kansas State was Jim Levitt. He recruited you. Jim Levitt was was the the, the co-defensive coordinator when I was at school there because I'm, I'm older than this guy right here. Yeah, I'm not And and Bobby Stoops is the other defensive coordinator at Kansas State. So you got recruited to Kansas State, then the Bucks draft you, and and in the year that I came to Tampa Bay in 1995, I walked in the door with with Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp in '95. That was Jim Levitt's first year. Building the USF program, literally for nothing. Right for nothing. Yeah, like he had a trailer. They didn't have a, have a football compound or anything. It was literally a trailer. And then he recruited your brother Bill to go to USF. Right. Yeah, the, the thing is that's uh, Coach Levitt's loyalty to Bill Snyder. We had 22 guys from Florida and Kansas State. Yes. And when he came to Tampa, Darren Howard from St. Pete. Right there. Yeah. Howard. I mean, we had Mike Lawrence. Uh, yeah. Tim Colston. Yeah, we had a bunch of guys. But I love Florida. I love the weather here. So as soon as he signed with USF, I said, Coach, I'm coming down with you. Like, no, I promised uh, Bill Snyder I wouldn't take any of the Florida boys because right. we all wanted to get back home, right? Sure, sure. Uh, you know those winners are not fun. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, yeah, so Coach Levitt's family goes. I mean, he, uh, he's the only coach to ever coach all three. He's coached, coached me against the state, coached yeah. both of my brothers. Nobody's ever seen That's right. So, uh, so, yeah, he's family for us. I love it. That's uh, so cool. so happy that he's got a, a nice gig at SMU now. No kidding, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's back at, at, as the defensive coordinator. So um, here's a little trivia question for you. Um, who was who was playing quarterback 
in your last Kansas State game for the other team. Remember who that guy was? Oh, was he uh, the Saints guy? The Saints guy, maybe? Drew Brees? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So that, that's a, that was a painful, a painful end to the 1998 season for Martin Grammaticas. Uh, uh, last year at Kansas Alamo State. Alamo Bowl against Purdue. Interesting Bucks facts. Um, the quarterback coach uh, for for that team was uh, was Greg Olson. Okay. He was the quarterback team or the quarterback coach for the Purdue Boilermakers. His quarterback was Drew Brees. That's great. That's insane, right? right? And, yeah. And you know the reason we lost that game is because we were one game away from the national championship. Yes. So to us, go to the Alamo Bowl was like a defeat. Like, exactly. We did not want to yeah, be you there. Want to be there? <laughs> but it showed. <laughs> right. We were just yeah very disappointed that we didn't yeah. get the national championship. But interesting. And then all of a sudden. You come to the Buccaneers. Drew Brees starts off in San Diego, then comes to the Buccaneers, and and then in 2002, you guys were 12 and four, but you were swept by the Saints that year. Interestingly enough, and we lost the first game to the Saints. Yes, John Gruden's first game as, as head coach was was a loss, and it, it happened on special teams. It, it, it was a blocked punt, a blocked punt, a punt in the end zone um, for a touchdown. You're going way far in the lead now. I know. I'm saying. Yeah, I remember we uh, we went in and did one of those running kick field goals to tie it to yeah. overtime, and then yep. we lost in overtime. Yeah, and and then you lose to the Saints earlier. But Martino was going back through the 2002 season, and not only were you five and six in the postseason, including being perfect in the Super Bowl. For, for for the kicks that you were able to attempt, right? Because there was a bad snap. <laughs> right, right. Not your fault, right? But um, but you were five of six in the playoffs. But Martin. You played such a huge role in getting this team to 12 and four and getting them there. Um, there was a 38-yard game winner. Uh, you were three of three in Detroit. 38-yard game winner with three minutes left to help win that game at Detroit. I think it was closer than people wanted it to be. I, I forgot about that one because I remember the other two legs. I know. Well, okay. <laughs> so, so then you you were four of four at Carolina. Right? And, and you're looking at a 12-9 win. You had a 47-yard field goal with 14 seconds left. Was that the most pressure-packed kick of your career at that time? Well, at the time, yes. But you know what? I didn't feel any pressure because I felt so good. And obviously, when you make three, and the previous two were over 50, in, yeah. the, in the same quarter, the fourth quarter, right? Uh, I just felt like that there was no way I was going to miss that. And, and yeah. The team fought so hard. I don't know if you remember, Brad Johnson was out. Yes. He was injured. Rob Johnson That's right. was our starter that day. And yeah. then he gets hurt, and then Sean King, our third string, had to come in and get us in field goal range. So yeah. when you talk about a whole team effort yeah. and team, that, that was our Super Bowl. It didn't matter. You, you know who was blocking for me on field goal? Who? 99. See, if I got trivia for you. Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp. Oh, we right. had some injuries. And yeah. So that shows you the type of team we had. We had pro bowlers, defensive right. tackles. In the well, Hall of Famer now, yeah, so yeah. In the, on the field goal team to help black. I mean, that's what we had. Wow. <laughs> so, so then you weren't done being the only offense on the day. Rob Johnson was still in at quarterback, and, and this this team had to get to twelve and four because you guys were trying to get you know, the, 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 the bye, right? And so what happened was um, week week sixteen or seventeen, whatever it was, the last game of the season, you had. Um, you went to not not Chicago. You went to Soldier Fields. Soldier Field was being renovated. renovated. So you played in Champaign, Illinois, at the University of Illinois, in in a cold night game, right? Like freezing Sunday temperatures. Night, I think. Yo, Sunday night, yeah. And you accounted for all fifteen points. You were five of five. 
Um, Simeon Rice's homecoming. He played it at, at uh, Illinois. Tell me about that game because you're, you're a Florida guy, hard. You had a couple of years out there in the frozen uh, Manhattan right, right. winters. My, my blood had already thinned. Though. Right, <laughs> exactly. But tell me about that game. That to me was uh, the biggest game of the year, regular season wise, because you know we, everybody was talking about we can't win in the cold, we can't do this, we can't. So there was a lot of no's going into that game, but we all believed we had it. So once we won that game in the cold, and it was our defense was dominant, and then we got enough points to win, that's all that really matters. Our defense was saying, you know, get us 14, 15 points, we're going to win games. I mean, we, beat, we beat Chicago two years prior to that, 63. I mean, that showed yeah. you that defense. So uh, we just knew offensively, we just had to get a few points. That defense was going to help us. So speaking of cool weather, right, you go to Philadelphia. Now, that, 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 that was a team, and I liken this, and you know covering this this year. Um, I likened the, the, the Eagles' mastery over the Buccaneers to, like, the Saints' mastery over this Buccaneer team, right? Because they, the Buccaneers have lost five straight to the Saints prior to that divisional, champion, or divisional playoff game, including four straight under Bruce Arians. I mean, the Saints just had the Bucs number, and that was evident. On Sunday night, thirty-eight to three. That was a huge blowout. Nobody, nobody saw that coming on Sunday night. But you guys finally went up there. You were perfect in that game. What was what was that that atmosphere like? Because to me, and I was on one of the Jim Rome shows after you guys beat the Eagles, and I was asked, "Well, how's this team match up against the, the Raiders in the Super Bowl?" I said, "Oh, it's over. The Bucks won." He said, "Wait a minute." And we're talking Rich Gannon. We're talking Charlie Garner, the Raiders. I said, "No, no, you don't understand." They've already won the Super Bowl because they beat Philly and shut down the Bets. And, and, and that's exactly what my line of thinking is. When this Buccaneer team beat the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans, I picked them to beat the Packers. I picked them to beat the Chiefs. Tell me about that. Am I on to something there? No, 100%. Uh, when, uh, when we beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia, it didn't matter who got the Super Bowl on the AFC side. Yeah. We didn't care. I mean, that was our Super Bowl. That was going to be our team. The point they had beat us the last two years in the playoffs. Right. So, and it was one of those, again, called that nobody in the country or in the world thought we could win that game. Except yeah. our locker room and maybe a couple fans. I don't even know if our fans will leave us win that game. But we went out there and uh, obviously it, uh, it was a whole team effort again. Uh, and that was one of the most fun games I think I've ever experienced. Yeah. The environment because everything against you, the adversity. And, yeah. and just the, the perseverance of this team to just keep fighting. Yeah. I see a lot of similarities with our team this year. Right. You, like you said, you go to New Orleans where nobody expects you to win. I had a, I had a, a really good feeling they were going to be in New Orleans. I thought they were going to come out here more confident right. and we were going to be able to get them. Uh, I was worried about going to Green Bay after uh, after Green Bay, uh, you know, we beat them so much. So I was thinking like a man Aaron Rodgers in, yeah. in Lambeau Field. That's going to be tough. And the weather. You know, we lucked out that the storm was the before. <laughs> so I think everything's aligning to be the same thing. I, you know, I mean, the Chiefs are obviously a, a great opponent. Yeah. A very good team. But, I mean, I have all the confidence in the world, these guys. They just they can figure out a way to get it done. And you look, look back at what was your takeaway from that week 12 loss? It started off 17 nothing in the hole. But then all of a sudden, the Bucks started to come back. If you look at that game in, in week 12, you've got Kansas City starting off 17 nothing. But Martino, over the last three quarters of that game, the Chiefs only scored 10 points. And Patrick Mahomes in the second half, well, you know, he only threw for 103 yards in a touchdown. Todd Bowles went to cover two, went to cover four, and really forced the Chiefs into that passing game. We saw the four men start to get home. See, I'm hoping that it wasn't one of those where Chiefs took off the gas and then the fights. Because every, we're all talking about like the comeback, and the comeback was great, obviously. And yeah. that's, that's the thing that this team has. 
It never gives up. I don't care what the score is. Right. So when you have a guy like Andre that, you know, has the biggest comeback in, 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 in oh, the history, yeah. you know, 28 to 3, you always believe in it, and they're never going to quit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like defensively, we have to play that bend, but don't break everything. Right. And you, they're going to get their yards. They're going to get their, their, you know, their plays. Right. Once they get to that red zone, that's where you tie up and make sure they can feel it. Yeah. Whoever can feel it on Sunday is going to lose again. This is a game where we have to score. I agree. Yeah, no, no. So what you're saying is the kicker should be a factor, but on extra points. Not, not, they're, not, they're not gaming anymore. So. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, you look at Tom Brady's Super Bowls with the Patriots. It usually comes down to an Adam Vinatieri field goal, a Steven Goskowski field goal. This could come down to a Ryan Suckup field goal. And and Martina, I love you. Right? I mean, we're, we're K-State brethren here. We're Buccaneer, you know, faithful. But Ryan Suckup, the year this guy's had. Oh. Tell me about it from a kicker's perspective. It's the best year I think any kicker's had. 90% in terms of the field goal percentage, 92% in the extra points, which they're field goals themselves. These, these right, exactly. right? No, he's had a, a Pro Bowl season. Yeah, I mean, there's no question he should have been in the Pro Bowl. If there was a Pro Bowl, in fact, he was the guy that should have gone. Yeah. And we, we didn't have the luxury of losing games. That's what the kicker's are right. When you bring Tom Brady in for a short period, and you're built to win now, and that's why I think the Bucs made a great decision. And I'm, not to say that Matt Gay won't be a great kicker in the right. He could. And he, he, he did do really good with the Rams. Right. But Suckup has been that guy. When he lines up for a field, yeah. you know it's going in. And That's right. And they're going dead center. So it's not like he's sneaking a man. Or yeah. They're all dead center. So, yeah, he's had a phenomenal year. So right now, we're not sweating. Right. So it's, it's awesome to have that. No, Ryan's done a phenomenal job. So you're going to be following the game? I am. I am. Tell me about what that experience is going to be like for you. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I get there. It's going to be It's going to be where I told Carlos to play by play. I said, I hope you have a lot of uh, words because I may just be frozen. You know, because there's times like – when there is a big play, I'm like frozen yeah. watching it. He's like, hey, taps me on the shirt, like, you gotta talk now. Right. Uh, or the fan in me comes out, and yeah. when Mike Evans sprained his knee, right. we had a little beat moment. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Kind of like, and, but, uh, but yeah, so it's gonna be amazing. I, I still cannot believe it. Three years ago, we started the broadcast right. uh, that I would be calling a Super Bowl in my hometown, in my home stadium for my home team. I mean, I know. So, I mean, for a team that you played for, that's so amazing, you know. I couldn't believe it. So, so Martin, um, I got two Awesome stats for you to use in your broadcast awesome. that, that I dug up, right? Number one, the key number is is 30 points or more because the Buccaneers are undefeated. They're 11-0 this year when they get 30 points or more. Okay. All right, so so the, the Bucs, and, and that's why I'm predicting the Bucs win 34-31. What is your prediction for Sunday's game? Well, my um, I, I've been predicting that the Bucs win. I don't give a score. It doesn't okay. matter. The score doesn't matter. As long as it's by one, right? It doesn't matter. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bucks win. Okay. So, the other statistic is, and if, you're, if you remember this Week 12 game, this is one statistic that really bothered me because I'm, I'm up in the press box with John Ledger watching this game. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's like, you know, like third and two is, is a rundown, right? I mean, I understand this is a pass-happy league. You got Tom, Tom Brady, all this stuff and stuff. And, and, and from when you played, there's a lot more running back in the day, especially, you know, Mike Wallstein, Michael Pittman, et cetera, right? But, but when they would go empty, and they did that four times in the first half, and they were, they were one of four. On third and one, third and two, or third and three, throwing the ball from empty, right? Because when you're empty, there's no threat that Tom Brady's going to run the ball, they, right? Yeah, no, no. And and, uh, and and it's no surprise that, that they had to punt, and the Chiefs built that lead, not just because the defense gave up those touchdowns to Harry Kill, but because the offense was doing its part either. Since the bye week, that's one of the adjustments this team has made. 
They have run the ball on what I call third and short, third and three, third and two, or third and one, ten times since the bye week. Martin, you know what the percentages of making that? Nine out of ten. They've converted nine out of ten third downs by running the ball on third and short. Third and two is a run down. Run the ball. Run the ball. That, that's that, that's why the bye week was that's right. for us. Yes. It, yes. Was, it was the perfect timing for a bye week. Yes. On the mental side, yeah. the guys need a break. I mean, they see this so long, especially with the pandemic. You were out of gas, one thing. I mean, you saw it in Kansas City. Right. You just were out of gas. You need that break, but not only that physical break, that mental break. Yeah. Where you get away for a little bit, and then it came out in perfect time. We had four more, basically, playoff games to get into the playoffs. And that's why the most dangerous teams getting into the playoffs are the yes. ones that are peaking at the right moment. That's that right. Need, that need those games. Because look what happened in Pittsburgh. You start off hot, and then, then you, you, you start to lose everything while you get into the playoffs. Right. We're the opposite. We're on and off a little bit, but once, after that bye, we're on, on fire. Yep. And so, you know, that, that one time that they didn't make it, I mean, the 9 out of 10, 90% is pretty good, right? The one time they didn't make it was in New Orleans. They tried to run Ronald Jones up the middle on third and one, and he didn't get it. Sure, they did it on fourth down. Quarterback sneak. There you go, quarterback sneak. We didn't get it, but we got close enough to get it. But they got it, exactly. So so um, it, that's that's my big offensive adjustment is if Byron Leftwich, if they scrap that empty formation, and, and stick with the, with the running game because possessions matter. The one thing I learned from John Gruden in all of his years of coaching, I had a great relationship with Gruden. But the one thing I learned from him is, is, is he says, you know, uh, when you have a, that possession right before halftime, right, and you might get the ball back with 40 seconds left, 80 yards to go, if you don't try to go for it there, that's one of, of either 10, 11, or 12 possessions you get for the entire game. That's a scoring opportunity. And there's some coaches that are like, oh, I'm good. You know, we'll we'll, we'll take this in at halftime. You're wasting a precious opportunity to put points on the board. And and uh, and so I, I look at, at that as as when you're giving up a possession with the punt, when you're surrendering, hey, we we can't make it, we're going. Um, possessions are going to matter this game. I think it's going to be high scoring. You're going to need a ton of points to beat the Chiefs. That's why I predicted 34-31. And and you got to be able to convert those third and shorts. To keep those drives going, at least get a field goal out of it. Absolutely, and and but the other thing too, the uh, three and outs are not bad compared to what we used to have in the past. Where that was big, big sixes, <laughs> yes. you know. So every now and then, if you if you don't have anything, that's that's the great thing about Tom Brady. Though. Yes, he doesn't yeah. force the ball. He doesn't right. give the ball away. So at times you got to say, okay, you got one. Yeah. Well, let's punt. But but I agree with you. Every possession is going to matter. Like I said earlier, we got to put our kicker away. We right. can we cannot kick field goals to win this game. So yes. obviously. At the end, if we need one, that'd be great. Right. That we have something. But early in the game, you've got to send a message. Right? Exactly. That's, that's what hurt the Saints. Because that's right. when we were down 6-0, yep. I, I said in the broadcast, this could be a lot worse right now. We've been 14 down. Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. You're, not, you're not coming back. Right. Usually against, against a team like the Saints where you're down 14 exactly. But 6-0, then you still have a chance. So I agree with you. Every possession matters, but I would say uh, we need touch-up. No field even exactly. though I'm a kicker, I would love to see it. Ryan Sutton have a great career year, exactly. great day. But, uh, but yeah, we a lot of extra points. A lot of extra points is fantastic. Well, this guy kicked a hell of a lot of extra points, hell of a lot of important field goals, including two in the Super Bowl to, to get yourself a Super Bowl championship. And hopefully uh, you'll be covering a Super Bowl uh, team come tomorrow night too. So oh, man, I can't, I, champion. I can't wait for uh, Victory Monday on my show. That's, uh, that's how we do it. We do it every yeah, every uh, Monday. We call it Victory Monday, and right. we have a good time. And, and, and tell all of our, our listeners and viewers out there, where, where can they hear you and, and see you, and and what do you have going on media-wise? Well, I do, like I said, the uh, the Spanish broadcast on Caliente 96.1. Okay. We do every game. 
And then uh, Monday through Friday, I do a show from 9 to 11 a.m. on zliving.com. Right. And that's a sports show in English. Yep. So, so, yeah, <laughs> let me clarify that. I don't know gonna watch. And then you can follow me on social media, Martin Gramatica7 uh, on Instagram. That's where I post usually what we're going to talk about. Okay. Okay. Those are my, uh, my three uh, plugs. Well, and, and Martin, it, it, it didn't take a lot to have you retire to the state of Florida, right? You're, you're, you're a Floridian, you know, at heart. My house, they... Right here. Yes. I, I, it didn't matter where I was playing. As soon as I got released right. or the season ended, I was coming straight home. So yeah, Florida. And, and you do such great work here in the in the Tampa Bay area with with the Martin Gramatica Family Foundation. You can just just share a few words about that for everybody. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I was born in Argentina. I understand the the freedoms that they don't have over there right. that we have here, thanks to our men and women in the military. So our foundation builds uh, homes for combat wounded veterans, and now we partner up with Pinellas Habitat yep. to be able to do more. We grow. We're averaging one a year, and now almost one every two years. It's starting to get harder to do because right. I think it's more expensive sure. with the economy. Uh, so now partnering up with Pinellas Habitat, we were able to do the two to three a year together. That's awesome. And it's just been, for me, I, it's an easy way to say thank you, yeah. even though they thank us for this home, but I'm like, they're, they're going to need to thank us. We thank right. every man and woman that gives up. Yeah. They're giving up their lives yeah. you know, exactly. for us. So, so we want to thank our, our military. And, and Martin, we've had you out before at Pin Chasers doing yes. some charity bowling yes. events. And, and good news is, with Pin Chasers back open, we're gonna we're gonna resume some of those charity fundraisers this off season and summer. So we'd love to partner with you again and have you out. Absolutely, man. Meet the Buccaneer fans, the Peter Report readers, and supporting the Martin Gramatica Family Foundation. Martin, thank you so much for coming out. It's been a pleasure to see you. Oh, and you. Uh, go Bucks, right? Right. Thank you for having me. And yeah, go Bucks. We gotta win. We gotta win. We gotta win. <laughs> exactly. Super Bowl champion Martin Gramatica. Thanks for coming out today. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Scott. Yeah, thank you. You too. John Ledger. We, we, get, we, got, we got a legend right here. We're back. We are back. I've eaten uh, just a little bit of food since the last time you saw me on camera. Exactly. So, um, speaking of that, I, I'm, I'm going to go grab some food here because we're here at Glory Days. And, and folks, if you haven't been at Glory Days, check out these wings right here. I mean, these are the wings that, that, that Jennifer was talking about. If, you, if you're late to the show, um, they're running a special. All of the Glory Days are sold out for the big game tomorrow. Okay, So if you want to come to Glory Days, come on Monday. Or come today. This is a great place for dinner. And they've got Tampa Bay area locations all around. Uh, you might even see us later tonight at the Wesley Chapel. Which my wife and I love it. It's a great place to bring the kids. Over 50 TVs at every location. They're building one down there by, by Riverview, by you, John. Um, but they've got a fantastic takeout offer. You can see it on our Peer Report social page. Uh, Jen was talking about it earlier. It's if you buy 50 wings, their traditional wings, they're going to give you 24 of the boneless wings. There's only one left, John. I wonder how that happens. That's how popular these bad boys are, but there's only one of these boneless wings left, right? So make sure that, that you are doing all of your pre-gaming and tailgating at Glory Days Grill because it's a fantastic restaurant. They've partnered with Pew Report for this year. They're sponsoring the Pewter predictions and, and uh, preview stories that we do. Did the one for the Super Bowl. And, John, you know what? Uh, I got a, a new kiwi guava flavor here. Uh, I've, got one I've, never I've never tried this. I'm going to try it live on the air here. That's for a green tea. A lot of green tea drinkers, so we'll see how this goes. 
Mm. That's a good one too. Still have an ammo I just wow. like. <laughs> Wait, you've never had kiwi guava? I've never had the kiwi guava. Oh, that's no. a good one. Yeah. This is really good. It's a little sweet for me, but it's really good. Somebody shout out the kiwi guava, yes. I think, in the chat early on, and then we ended up with one. Exactly. So I got I got one here. Finally tried it. I mean, John, they've got like 20-some flavors to choose from. It's 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 insane. And then and the, again, heat line is, the heat line is out now. Yeah. And it's incredible. Those are a couple of my favorites. I've had a bunch of DMs from people. One person told me, a fan told me that Celsius has changed the game for them. They said they used to drink soda all the time, and now they don't drink it at all. Right. Celsius has completely replaced soda for them, but there's no sugar. There's none of that bad stuff. There's none of that bloated feeling you get from soda, and they love it, and they've been way healthier for it. And so I love hearing those stories because I love I think like health and fitness and stuff is really important, so I love hearing stuff about that. And what a cool thing that Celsius has done to be able to – Produce a product that can replace something like soda, which okay. I think for many people is like borderline addictive, and, uh, and be able to add it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Definitely check out Celsius if you haven't. I just went around when I when Martina's on, and I talked to a couple of people who are trying it for the first time, and they love it. They yep. can't, can't believe this thing has no sugar in it, uh, that it's good for you. Uh, that, so it's pretty. People are converting pretty quickly once they try Celsius. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, so. You know, we're, we're going to have Dwight Smith here in a little bit. I believe he's in route right now. Uh, that should be an interesting conversation from one Super Bowl champion to the next. Um, and right, right now we're going to bring on um, Taylor Grizz Jenkins. Wow. Followed by, followed by Matt Matera. This is, this is a very special moment, a very special appearance by Taylor Grizz Jenkins, who I now I think Taylor, other than Scott, I think I've, you're the Peter Report. Remember, actually, this is the today is the first time I've met Mark Cook in person. Nope. First time in person. He said I was taller than he thought I was going to be. He didn't even know who I was at first, even though I was on the air with Scott. Um, and but I've obviously you and Scott have spent the most time around. And then I met yeah. Matt yesterday at the convention center, just kind of running into him. But you've been on here, Taylor, uh, recently, but not too much to talk about what you're expecting from this game and expecting from Bucks Chiefs and people rank you can read your preview and prediction over at PeterReport.com. But at the same time, they haven't heard it in your words. What is If you're the Bucks' offense in this game, what is it that makes you think they're going to have more success this time than last time? I mean, just how far they've come. I think from an execution standpoint, from a play-calling standpoint, I know we had, and you talked about it ad nauseum, about how it seemed like the play-calling had regressed yeah. almost a half season once they got to that Saints game. It was really good against Washington. I mean, or they made up for it a little bit with just execution. But, I mean – it is going to – I think people overlook Steve Spagnuolo's game plan, and that's not something that we, I don't think people have been talking about a lot, and I think that's something that he does as an expert level. Right. So, I mean, he's not a guy that you – is ever, I think, going to limit you with that defense to 10 points, but he's not a guy that you're going to score 30, right. 35 points mm -hmm. on a whole lot just because of the way they like to deploy dime defenses, which I think is a great way to counter what the Bucks try and do. If you can stop the run and then deploy those defenses and keep guys like Mike Evans and – and that's when you see guys like Cam Brady lead the team in targets through two, three weeks in the playoffs because you have such a much, such a better matchup by the time you get down to that fourth, fifth option. So you just have to be consistent. You cannot be predictable like you were in the Packers where you are living on third down. You can't be sitting in 12 third downs throughout this game and expect to win it because even with Tom Brady, even if the execution's good, you're not going to convert enough third downs to keep up with the Chiefs. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you have to plan out ways to be efficient on offense too, not only explosive but efficient yeah. as well. 
because you're going to need all of that in a game like this. But we have looked at this game from so many different angles. I saw fans kind of commenting on that, talking about it, but feels like we have just kind of broken down every aspect of this game. And I think for Bucks fans, it's even more of a shock to their system than like 49ers Chiefs last yeah. year. Because 49ers Chiefs, they're always in the national spotlight. They're always yeah. getting attention from ESPN, NFL Network, and things like that. They're always having all these breakdowns written about them and their games, and they're in these situations in the playoffs. And, but for Bucks fans, this is like crazy. Like I, I think they're being bombarded yeah. from like consuming all the Bucks in content that they can. But there, it's probably so unusual to see like this amount of exposure and getting opinions on the Bucks from everywhere. And I think it's just totally like blowing people's minds based on where they can get information and stuff. But I think it also makes them feel like we get to this point, the day before the Super Bowl, all the storylines are just cooked. We've talked about all of them at this point in time. So there's just kind of a lot to we've un- unpacked because we go live so often. We've unpacked so many different things. I almost want to take like a lighter note to today's show in some ways and not I mean certainly if people have questions on this game that for some reason you haven't seen answered somewhere or we haven't answered for you and you'd like to know something, absolutely find a way to drop them in here. But I wanted to ask you about some other things, Taylor, in terms of this team and the last Buck Super Bowl team. If you could take one player from the last Buck Super Bowl team and put them on this Buck Super Bowl team, maybe we'll go one on offense, that one might be easy. One on defense that you could take and put on this Bucks team. Start them on Sunday in the Super Bowl. Who would you take to put on the team? And fans, you can sign oh, off too. Let us know which buck from the last Super Bowl team you would take and you would put on this year's Super Bowl team as a starter. The offense, I think, is a lot tougher. To be honest, I don't know who I would really bring. Who would you bring? Well, I'm trying to think. I wouldn't cover that Bucks team, obviously. I was a kid. Yeah. But I wasn't a Bucks. I actually I was rooting for them in that Super Bowl. I definitely was. I remember that clearly. I was thirteen. I would have been. I would have been almost thirteen. But I would have said offensively, it was Michael Pittman and Mike Olson, right? Yeah. It I would be in the backfield, I think, because but we're wide receiver, receiver, obviously. Yeah. You wouldn't take a wide yeah. receiver. You wouldn't take a tight end. O line. I don't know. How, I mean, maybe yeah, somebody from anything special. I don't know yeah. who was the right guard. On maybe the right guard. Yeah. I don't know who it was on that. I was going to say on defense, it's so uh, tough because you look at who the, the, the defensive line is very good. You have so much talent at linebacker. I know Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks are like the guys you want to bring, but you have so much talent at linebacker. It's got to be Rodney Barton. Wow. Sliding into like Sean Murphy Bunting's spot. I know know it's like sacrilegious because Sean Murphy Bunting's had the three picks, but like he's also struggled. Not not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. We saw Washington. He had that pick, but he got a little bullied later in the game. If you could take any player, I mean, Huh. You've got talent on the defensive line. You've got talent at linebacker. I know you have talent at cornerback, but I think Rodney Barber gives you the biggest separation yeah, from what Devin White and Levante okay. David, I think, are, are, are relatively – they're not Derek Brooks. But you see what they bring in, in terms of style of play. Warren Sapp is obviously a game changer, but you do have so much talent there. I think putting Rodney Barber in that nickel spot changes the entire game. Or John Lynch, but at the same time, John Lynch can't – Kill people like he did. See, yeah, that's true. I hear you on Ronnie Barber, and I think your reasoning is really sound. I would still take Warren Sapp, like because here's the thing: I'm putting Warren Sapp next to Vita Bay on the inside, and JPP and Shaq Barrett on the outside, and I'm going crazy. It's literally a game. The only other thing that I would consider is Simeon Rice. He was on the team, right? Of course, yeah. Simeon Rice with JPP playing inside a lot of the time. You don't care about the run. If the Chiefs want to run it all day, whatever. 
JPP and Vea inside with Simeon Rice and Shaq Barrett outside. To me, those are the top two guys on defense. I think I'd still go with Sapp. I think in that situation, yeah. Simeon Rice is a great pass rusher, obviously. Run you defense would a little weak if JPP were inside and Simeon Rice probably is. It's kind of wild that we – it's like every year because we feel like they're so – like we're they're so – screwed over a little bit. We talk about John Lynch and Rondé Barber not being in the Hall of Fame yet. Why is Leon Rice not more in that conversation? When you look back at his career, oh, yeah, yeah. he's top 20 in sacks, I think. He only had a couple years where he didn't reach double-digit sacks, and that was like at the end, maybe at the end of his Arizona career and then right at the end of his Bucs career. Simeon Rice, and I know that you always hear the argument, well, we can't put every player from a Super Bowl defense. But that Buck Stevens is up there with the Iron Curtain, with the 85 Bears, with the early 2000s Ravens. They are up there with one of the greatest teams of all time, so why can't you put four or five players in the hall? Right. Well, I, mean, I completely agree. I think when you look at what Simon Rice has done in his career production-wise, sacks-wise, you know, his production's unbelievable. Nobody even talks about him. I don't, know, I don't understand why, honestly. I feel like if he didn't play in Arizona and Tampa Bay, his name would be easy. Yeah, if he played for the Giants, and right. then he'd be like, the next you know, I, I don't understand it. I think, to me, he is a Hall of Famer. I would put he and Rodney Barber in above John Lynch, to be honest. I, I, would, that probably, I think I would probably put Simeon over John, too. Yeah, that might take off some Bucks fans. I'm not sure, because I know John Lynch is a legend around these parts. But, I mean, I think John Lynch might be deserving. I think John Lynch is one you had to watch, like, to, yes. to think if he's deserving. Like, I, I watched John Lynch. I liked that Bucks team, but I, was, I didn't grow up on it all of yeah. watching every single game. Because John Lynch's production is fine, but it's not like production that's going to get it was into the play. And what I think about John Lynch is he's going to get in with his general manager for him. I mean, what he's done he, he, in, what, three years, he went to a Super Bowl with that 49ers team that was yeah. in complete rebuild mode, really, when he came over. So that, I think, is the good news to John Lynch. While he is – on the fringe of, of being in there as a player, he's been a finalist for like nine straight years or eight straight years, something crazy. I think that it'll be his GM career that eventually pushes him over. Rondé Barber, I can't believe, I mean, I think this dude should be closer to a first ballot Hall of Famer than an eight-time finalist not getting in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think Rondé Barber, I've said it on the show, I've tweeted it. I don't, there is no argument no in my opinion to not having the Hall of Fame. I don't know how you can make one. Like, there's nothing. Like, oh, he played with other great defenders. It's the worst argument for any play. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't even qualify as an argument because it's such a bad argument for anyone. Oh, they happen to be on a team with other good guys? Let's penalize What? That doesn't make any so sense. So does Ray Lewis? He was on a great defense. Yeah, all the time. Well, every all-time great defense was made by great defenders, not great defenders made each other. Right. You don't have a lot of guys yeah. just going out solo starring and then making them all fame. So it's just they, people pick and choose when they want to use that yeah. argument. Rondé Barber's production is unbelievable for the position. Uh, it's yeah, Rondé and uh, Tom Fox fan says they would put Rondé Barber in before uh, John Lynch. I would as well. I think most Bucks agree with that. Uh, I think it's whether John Lynch gets in or not that kind of is the discussion. To me, that's a discussion. To me, Rondé Barber's not a discussion. I don't he think so. Either. And, I'm, and I'm hopeful that tomorrow morning we'll find out that he is in. Yeah. And what a way to read. Everybody wanted it to be, you know, 2020, you put 20 in. Yep. What better way than hosting a Super Bowl with him? It's like every year we have a narrative of, yeah. look how cool. This would be the great year to put him in. Every year is a good year to put Rodney Barber in the Hall of Fame. Every single year. It doesn't matter. Absolutely agree. But it's funny to think about the discussion about which one you would put on this year's Bucks team. Because I think defensively it is a little bit tricky. There's three valid answers, I think. And then Barber, Rice, and Sapp. Uh, Brooks, a great player. 
But again, like you already have really good Rondo taking what's, off the field. And the funniest thing I think about the argument for what is the argument to not put Rondo Marvin Wilson that everybody that everybody who actually argues against it makes he was a nickel corner. First off, he wasn't a nickel corner on first and second down. Right. He was an outside corner. Right. Who then slid to nickel on third down and revolutionized the position. And look, look, 40 sacks, 47, what do you have? Ronnie Barrett, 47 sacks, 28 interceptions. Elite tackle for loss, run defense. Unbelievable. Ball skills, playmaking, defensive touchdowns, pressures. Like you said, as a blitzer. He did literally everything. I mean, you outside of the And it's not even like, oh, oh, well, he doesn't have the ring. He has the ring. Oh, well, he doesn't have that iconic moment. He has the biggest play in Bucks history. He has everything. The single biggest play. Ronnie Barber, he's going to take it to the house. High character, longevity, didn't get hurt or, and stay hurt. And, and he threw time, broken hands. Like um, there's zero argument, I think, I mean, realistically. Yeah, there's nothing. How he's not in. Right, there isn't one. So, anyway, Ronnie Barber, put him in the Hall of Fame tomorrow morning. Or my Twitter account is going to be uh, quite furious. Uh, well, obviously, I'm bigger first to fry a little bit tomorrow at the Super Bowl. But it would be a nice start to the day to see him get in. And so it would be interesting to have that conversation at that time. But we got to focus on the offensive side now. Okay, so if you're taking one player from that Bucks team, that last Bucks Super Bowl team, and you're putting them on this Bucks Super Bowl team that's on the offensive side of the ball, to me, it's got to be a, like somebody in the backfield. Yeah, Unless I think so. line guy I'm forgetting about because I was 13 and wasn't exactly yeah. studying the O-line of the Bucs. I was thinking about, yeah, not, I, I can't even think about the Somebody said it was like Corey Coleman and somebody else. But you're not going to take Joe Jeremichus and put him on this line. Right. You're not going to do that. Exactly gonna, right. I don't, so, yeah, I don't I think, think that's going to happen. As it would have to be Mike Allstott just because you got to put Mike Allstott. But I think I'm going to probably yeah, so I think I'll probably bounce out of here in a second. We have a special yeah, guest that just arrived. Can you get Scott? Scott's going to come on in, uh, in a second here and uh, chat with our special guest. But, yeah, no, I think it's a fun discussion to talk about the running back position in general and say, like, man, what are you going to – because we talk about how it's not the most valuable position. Keenan McCardell. Right. No offense, but, like <laughs> – you have Chris Godwin yeah. and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown yeah. and Scotty Miller. It's not what we're trying to keep Sean. It's not we're trying to root any. But again, it's like, man, it's like, who, you know, what's the biggest guy that's going to make the biggest difference uh, for this Super Bowl particular? And so, and I, this is on me, kind of, but I don't even know perceiving wise. Michael Pittman and, and, and Mike yeah, Sutton, I, don't, I, I can't think. But those guys, how productive they were. You know, Michael Sutton catch the ball back from the thing. And how pass protection wise, dude, it's tough. How, how good would he be in today's game? I know he's a fullback. Yes. Yeah. So, we, yeah, exactly. We, we have to kind of, it's hard to say, oh, we're going to pick a fullback for that. Yeah, exactly. Especially in today's game, we're right. like, okay, we're going to put up. But also, he wasn't a true fullback. He was a running back, yeah. That was listed as a fullback. He was kind of that little in betweener. And he broke tackles. And he created yeah. after the catch, and that's huge. Oh, well, that's something Bucks running backs don't Exactly. Do. That's, that's <laughs> critical, I think. So Scott's going to jump in here in a minute here and, and, and uh, talk to our special guest, Dwight Smith. Uh, going to get his thoughts on a lot of different things. So this is going to be a fun segment of the show here. Uh, again, we're going until 2 p.m. here. Glory days, girls. So come on down if you get the chance. Say hi to these guys. Shake some hands. Socially distance. Air shake hands. Or air uh, fist bound, whatever it is. Uh, we'll, we'll step out here and let Scott step in here. Thank you. Scott, you've got a special guest coming on the show. And uh, we're going to be doing some, some conversation with Dwight. Smith. Absolutely. Show. Be fun. Yes, it is. It's going to be a great time. 
And, uh, you know, we're here at the Carewood Lourdes if you're just joining us. Fantastic food. I just got a chance to dip out and talk to the great folks at Celsius. Have you met Matt? From I haven't been the table out there, yeah. Uh, with all the Celsius girls and all, we got a whole bunch of Celsius. Yeah, great stand Can't miss them. So, um, hey, hey, Dwight, we'll, we'll take you over here. Dwight's going to come on over us. Yep. So we just had one of your teammates, Martin Gramatica, was just here. Marty Mark. Yeah, just, just talking about that. Automatica. Automatica. Dwight Smith, this is Peter Report's podcast here, and we're, we're live at the Glory Days in Carowood. And, uh, you know, first of all, I want to get your thoughts on on the, the present-day Buccaneers in, in the Super Bowl, because we're, 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 we're going to relive the Glory Days here at Glory Days. Uh, go down memory lane with with, uh, with you with the 2002 Super Bowl, but but did you think it would be 18 years for this franchise to get back to this this land? Well, I mean, being that out of my eight years playing in the NFL, I only made the playoffs one twice. Yeah, but my rookie year, then the year we won the Super Bowl, I can understand how tough it is to get you know to the uh, promised land, as they call it, as right. in, uh, the the Super Bowl. So I'm from a city where they haven't been to a Super Bowl yet. Where you from? I'm from Detroit. That's so, right. That's right. Yes, that's right. I mean, so, you were I mean, to Akron. You were a Detroit kid. That's right. Yeah. So I, I guess you got to appreciate them when they come. Yeah. Regardless of how, you know, few or far between they come and they do come, you have to yeah. appreciate them and, and, and enjoy them. So I, I was I was talking to Martin, and, you know, it's no surprise he was a Buccaneer and he ends up living here. Same with you. John Gruden lives here. <laughs> it's like once you become a Buccaneer, Anthony Beck, I mean, we can go down the list of players you played Jackson with. Jackson, Before I mean, you, Mike Allstott, Silver St. Pete. I mean, what is it about this area that, like, once you, once you become a Buccaneer, you become a, a Tampa Bay resident? Well, the, the city itself is inviting. Yeah. You know, uh, being where I'm from, I'm from a standoff place. So, yeah. you know, you yeah. come down here, people are inviting and they, they kind of accept you as right. one of their own because you play for you know a team that they love. So it's something that I think all of us enjoy when right. you come from different places to, to for people to accept you like this is your home. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it easier to, to make it your home. Right. So let's let's talk. Uh, we'll get back to the, the present day Buccaneers, but let's let's go back to, to 2002. Okay. That was your second year with the Buccaneers. And you had, um, you were, that was really kind of your coming out party. That, that, that season, you became the, the, the nickel corner. Uh, you, you were the, the third corner on the field. Rondé would move from outside, from outside inside the slot, right, where he did a lot of his dirty work. And you did your dirty work on the outside. Now, if I, if I recall correctly, you had two interceptions against the Atlanta Falcons. Correct. So that, that Super Bowl wasn't your, your first rodeo when it came to two bits. Correct. Okay, now, again, it's my 25th year covering the Bucks. I'm 48 years old. My memory is not as sharp yes, as it yes, was. Yes, I, I can understand you, but I, mine ain't, so I can understand. <laughs> right. But didn't you pick off one of the, of the one of your interceptions against the Falcons? Wasn't that on a fake one? Yes, yes. The first pick of my career. Was it? Okay, that was it. Yes. All right. It came on a fake punt. Dexter hit the dude they were trying to throw the ball to, blowing right. up in the air. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I remember that one. Okay. <laughs> now, when you when you look at at um, uh, 
in that game, two interceptions. Mm -hmm. You got hot right at the end of the season. You had an interception against the Chicago Bears. We were just talking about that with Martin. Yeah, uh, an odd game, 15 to nothing. Martin accounted for all the points in that game. And uh, it was freezing cold temps. But it was a good game to get us ready for Philly. Right. You right. I mean, yes. the weather, the yes. type of game that it was, it was a good precursor to us going to Philly. Right. So you went in the cold, not even in Chicago. It was in Champion, Illinois. Yeah. Simeon Rice's stomping grounds, right? He was in, he was in uh, Illinois, Fighting Illinois, Illinois. Went to school, we went to college, yes. Right. So, so you get a pick there. Then you get a pick in the first, in the first game against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. right? And a fumble recovery. That's right. Yes, it was like. Things were happening, and, Dwight. And I was starting being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't just Ron Day Barber show. It, was, it, it, I, it became Dwight. I show. got tired of hearing Brooks and Ron Day name every week. <laughs> All right. So, so, so there, there you have um, the, the prelude right to this. And when you look at that, um, that Philly game, and, and how, and if you've watched the Buccaneers over the last couple of years, the Saints have been. They're nemesis. They're nemesis. Mm -hmm. And Philly was your nemesis. Correct. Right. So, as I told Martina, when I was on the Jim Rome show, after the Bucks had, had won at Philly, and he asked me who's going to win the Super Bowl, I said, oh, my gosh, the Buccaneers for sure. He's like, wait a minute. Against Rich Gannon, against Charlie Garner and the Raiders. I said, no, you don't understand. It's all downhill. They beat Philly in Philly. Right? Do you kind of sense – the same hurdle, same mountain the Bucks have climbed, winning in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, that, it, it, from it, a psychological it tends to, to work that way. Yeah. You know, I remember as a kid, the, the uh, Pistons needing to get past the Celtics. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, then yes. once they got past the Celtics, right. like they finally got to the – so I understand you having a team that you, you need to Right, beat. right. And that really being – you're a Super Bowl. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So the Super Bowl is kind of a less pressure game right. than the one that you just played because those guys, you were like the bully on the yard. Yes, you exactly. Yeah, I, and, I and, understand yeah, that. And, and so th th that's how I th – that's what I've called the Saints, the, the bully. Mm -hmm. And they finally stood up to the bully and beat him in their place. And, and I thought that that was the precursor to them winning at Green Bay and then getting to like the – You kind of knew already once they got past New Orleans that – Yeah. They were destined to be where they were. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, okay so so in that, that Super Bowl, and this is a great story. You and I have talked about this before, but I, I want you to share this with, with our, our readers and listeners and viewers out there on the podcast. Um, when you look at what you did in the Super Bowl, two pick sixes, and you look at what Dexter Jackson, the ultimate – of the MVP, he had two interceptions. His came in the first half, right? Your came in the second half, one in the third quarter, and then one right at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. And and I think a lot of people were like, wait a minute, like why wasn't Dwight Smith the Super Bowl MVP? But that's why I try to get fans to to slow down on stats, right? You know what I mean? Because stats never really tell the whole story. Yeah. My last interception in the game. Was it, didn't, it didn't matter. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so. Yeah. It's kind of like when people look at uh, Jameis Winston from a year ago, yeah. and they say, well, he threw for 5,000 yards. Right. Well, if you put your team in the hole it's by 21, 28 points, right. you're gonna have, they're going to let you throw for that many yards in the second half. Exactly. You're going to so have to to try to come back. It's like the, yeah. the, the, the stats don't really tell the story of what went on. Right. So I can understand why they gave Dexter the MVP. He, his first two half interceptions. He helped set the tone. Correct. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 
it got us to that comfortable lead that right. we had. Right. So, and, and not just that, Dexter, or, uh, Dwight, but when you look at Dexter's picks, they happened in, in the first half. You, at that point in time, by the, by the start of the fourth quarter, had, had a pick six. If my pick would have came when De uh, Derek got hit. Yes. Then we have a conversation. Exactly. And then, then if people want to have an argument about it, right. I can understand right. it. But once Derek picked the ball off, the yeah. game was over. The, the game was over. And, game and, and the thing is, too, is is uh, what they do in the Super Bowl is, I think, about with 10 minutes left in the game, that's when, that's when yeah. they vote. Mm -hmm. So the game isn't even over, right? Mm -hmm. And it could be a thing, too, Dwight, where, where if it's a close game. Well, I hope that at least that game – made them change it to at least five minutes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, 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 don't uh, close the vote too soon. Let's, right. let's move it to five minutes left in the game. Exactly. And, and I think one, one of the, the cool things that you said is you and Dexter are friends. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is, you know, and, and I said, well, don't you feel like you got rocked a little bit about that? No. Listen, I, I'm really out there, so I'm understanding what's going on. Right. And I, the, the way that I cope with it, the way that I tell my family is, they pick a, a Super Bowl MVP every year. Right. It's a different one every year. That's right. This is going to be one Sunday night. But I have a record that can stand forever. It will stand forever. So I will, will. I, mean, I will hold yeah. on to that yeah. more than I will hold yeah. on to that. When you told me that, I just was shaking my head like, yes. Like, we have this if somebody throw three pick sixes, <laughs> you're going to see me on the news that night after. <laughs> right. I don't win it that quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> because that's the thing, right? I mean, getting two picks at – Two pick sixes in the Super Bowl. That can happen. You did it. Yeah. Right. And somebody can, can match you. Yeah, they can match you. Yeah, but, but, but if somebody get three, yeah. that quarterback got paid. <laughs> so him and that corner was working together. You can leave him alone, man. Right. Don't throw three to him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was the coolest thing is you're like, hey, listen, you know, Dexter's your good friend. He he can have the Super Bowl MVP trophy and the honors and stuff. Yeah. Your name is in Super Bowl history. And and it will be there forever as the first to do it, and uh, and I get the, so now the only to do I get the high, you know I get to go live my life. The Super Bowl MVP <laughs> has to show up almost every Super Bowl. Right. He has to do, like no, I get to go and just be dad and you know be the person I'm, I want to be now, man. Exactly. All right, so I got a couple more questions for you. So so let's let's talk about you know that, that um, when your pick six happens, mm -hmm. your first pick six. That really made the score thirty-four to three at that point in time. I mean, and, and that that was like the first time I think where, where Buccaneer fans and people like myself in the media collectively said, "This is over." I think Brooks is after that little bit of a comeback, right? Because there was a block, 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 yeah. block four touchdowns, right? Jerry Rice over the middle, right? Four yeah. they started to show some signs of life. Brooks was the dagger, right? But I, I you know, Brooks Brooks was the dagger, right? But but I mean, you were the shotgun blast. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, if I would have got that Brooks pick, yeah. then I could see people having an argument. Right. Saying that, you know, basically, my first pick is what made people comfortable, and then my right. last pick is what sealed it. So they right. might have said, oh, you, you, you had a chance to be a player. Exactly. I so, think uh, Brian Kelly and these guys had their kids on the sideline when I scored my last <laughs> Like that, that's how much the game was over. Exactly. Hey, John, we got some uh, some White Smith clips? Oh, yes, we got All right, here we go. We're going to get on memory lane here. <laughs> a seven-step drop now, looking to his left. Fire. Oh, oh, picked up to White Smith. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. They got that. 
All right, so is it, does that ever get old, watching your pick sixes? Well, for a guy like me who really, you know, I had too many storied guys on my side of the ball. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, those type things will always stand out to me. Yeah. Because when going into that game, you know, really playing on that team, on the side of the defense we had, we had yeah. two first battle Hall of Fame. Right. We got Rondé and Lynch. And Sydney, who I'm back. I'm just a guy who's a third round pick trying to not get cut in the offseason. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to go out there and make those plays, and they always stand out. Because, yeah. you know, once you become a starter and those things, yeah. you, you kind of lose the the, the the fight that you had to get to that yeah. spot. Right. So that them, them plays will always stand out because I hadn't made it to where. Right. I thought I was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in, in, when you when you see John Gruden react the way he did, mm-hmm. you know, uh, does that still yes, trigger that, memories for yes, that Yes, because, I mean, once again, that's your head coach. This yeah. is a guy who – He challenged you guys, right? He challenged you to nine. nine. And my last touchdown was the ninth. The ninth defensive score. And no. you don't think about it while it's going on. Right. But when you're able to sit back and talk about those meetings that you had, you know, him challenging us and then us stepping up to the challenge and realizing that it really did take nine touchdowns for us to realize our goal. Yeah, for sure. And I I think if memory serves, the first pick six was Brooks's. The first defensive score was Brooks's in week two in Baltimore. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. Because the the one in Atlanta was sat pitching to Brooks. Yeah, at school. Right. Yeah. This is interesting. Tom Bucks fans says the second pick by Smith created another stat. We were never outscored in a quarter in the playoffs. Now that's crazy. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. But that team, man, the defense and the 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 way the cohesiveness of that defense. I've right. never played on another team like. That. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so what are your thoughts now? Uh, obviously, the league has changed. It's become more offensive, right? You guys had a defense for the ages with, with those, those defensive scores, the sacks with Sapp and Rice up front, the linebacker play with Quarles, who was a pro bowler. You know, Q didn't get enough love. No. But Chilton Quarles that year. We have Al Shaman Singleton. Yeah. Is a guy that I, that of our Super Bowl team yeah. that I believe is the most underrated player. Strong side linebacker that year. On our yeah. defense, when he left, people don't understand what we lost right. in that guy. We tried to replace him with an end goal, with a Dwayne Rudd. Right, speaker, right, yep. And it never was the same. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because, um, you know, win or lose, I, I, I like the Buccaneers' chances of getting back next year. I think, I think they're they're a young team. Brady City's coming back. Bruce Arians is coming back. Uh, Ronkowski wants to come back. You know, but it, it's so hard, and you guys saw that. In 2003, right? The, the reason and, and, it's so hard is you played alone. Yeah. So now the risk of injury the next season is right. so much higher. The extra month of football. Correct. Yeah. So you know, that's what keeps people from being able to repeat is right. the fact of key people being hurt. Right. That's what Kansas City was able to avoid. Well, to a degree, year. right? But right with now, their, with their tackles. Now, yeah. like, you know, right. I mean, now they get to this point yeah. and they got two tackles out, but during the year, right. they were mostly, you know, players that they can replace injury-wise. Exactly. And, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, 
nobody brought up the fact that the Packers were missing the highest paid offensive line yeah, in, the, in the NFL. Yeah. So those type pieces missing, right? They're not talking about on ESPN, yeah. but in the in your meeting rooms, you understand how important right. those pieces are. Well, and so you you watch that that NFC Championship game, right? What was your thoughts as as a Buccaneer alum? When when they did it, when they beat the Packers, and now now your your team is going I mean, to some, the Super Bowl in in the home state. Not only just being a love living, yeah, and you understand the the, the love the people of Tampa have for the team. Yeah, that's that's who you really root for, right? Because the guys who play here, like I played here four years. Yeah. I mean, it ain't like a, a lifetime. Right. So the people that you really feel good for and root for are the fans of yeah. the town who've been fucking their fans their whole life. Exactly. And so, you know, um, when, you, when you saw with Shaq and JPP as a defensive-minded guy, uh, you've got an appreciation, right, as a defensive back for what, what happens up front, right? Getting the quarterback, that's that's the best thing, right? Either get that quarterback on the ground so he didn't have to throw it your way, or if he throws it your way, he's under duress, right? Pressure pressure wins games up front. Yeah. So now the, the, the Packers, with Bakhtieri being out, they moved – Right tackle Billy Turner to left tackle, brought in Rick Wagner off the bench to right tackle. Kind of the same situation now. Eric Fisher out, yep. Yep. Mike Remmers, who was a turnstile for the Panthers in that that Cam Newton Denver um, well, Broncos game. game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he gave up three sacks and two forced fumbles in in that that game that Shaq Barrett was a part of, winning Super Bowl Fifty for the Broncos. Now Dwight, you get the same situation. Remmers. Is moving from right tackle to left tackle. Schwartz is still out, so now you got to bring Andrew Wiley from right guard over to right tackle, and now you got to bring Stephen Wozniewski off up the bench to and, right guard. And to, to combat that, because we know Andy Reid is not sleeping. Right, right. We know <laughs> yes. that. That's a, that's a key. We know that. Yeah. And then his son has an accident. Yes. To bring even more. Right. You know, outside yeah, yes, yeah. pressure. And Barrett Robbins, the center for the Raiders. This is, this is what I mean. When you yeah. bring outside things, yeah. it's hard. And, and that's what I try to get fans to realize. This is still a human yeah. factor to, right. to these days. They're right. robots out there play. Right. The people have things going on in their life. And when something as serious happens as, let's say, with uh, Andy Reid's son, right. when there's a five-year-old who's on life support basis. Right. It's kind of hard for you to focus on leaving yeah. your kid is in a situation that you right. don't know if you're going to be able to make it out. Yeah. So that's something to think about also. Man. It is because Barrett Robbins going AWOL before that game, it certainly had that rate of offense array. You know, it really did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Dwight, would you look at, at um, the similarities between – the 12 and 14 that you were on in 2002, the 11 and 5 Buccaneer team this year, you guys were both swept by the Saints. I think this Saints team, the Saints team is better than the Saints team in 2002. But it started off with a block punt. In, in, I mean, the end zone. In the end zone, yeah, the time, right? Isn't that crazy? Yes, man. And it'd be crazy how a lot of similarities always happen when you, know, you see Rome. There's a bit of a fate complex, right? You know, like there's, it's kind of a meant to be type of situation. Yep, and uh, a lot of fans, Tampa fans might don't know, 
a key person in our organization who was there way before me, way after me. Her name is Jill. Jill. Yeah. She's watching over. Yeah, she is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is something that would have made her day. I know. So, There's no doubt about it. I appreciate you bringing up Jill Hobbs. Uh, she was what I call a 76er. She was a 1976 employee of the Buccaneers, worked for the franchise for over 40 years. Uh, I got to know Jill. Um, later when she kind of like uh, had a different role in the organization, she dealt with the alumni. Yeah. I mean, and she loved you guys like a mom. She was like a mom to all you guys. And she passed away recently, um, right after the Bucks Packers game in week five. My mother passed away. I appreciate that. And and I grew up in Kansas City. She was a huge Chiefs fan. And then when I took the job at Peter Report in 1995, I walked in the door with Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks that year. She moved to Florida the next year, became a huge Buccaneer fan, huge. Report reader, so she switched her allegiances. But now, you know, she's up there and in, in heaven watching the Chiefs and the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Jason Light's father passed away in 2019. Okay. You know, and so there's a lot, been a lot of people that have been affected um, personally and emotionally by. And that's close to this game. Yeah, close to this game, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a lot of people who we wish would be here to see this game. Yeah. I mean, they, exactly. They, they, they were the people who deserve to be here to see this game. Exactly. So, well, man, I mean, I tell you, it's been a pleasure having you out here at the, the Carolwood Glory Days. Yes, sir. Talking Bucks Super Bowl. What's your Super Bowl pick? Oh, um, a lot of a lot of score. Let's say that. A lot of scoring. I believe it's going to be a lot okay. of score. You think you think the Bucks pull it out? I believe if they get enough pressure. Yeah. That's that's going to be the key. To right. Right. If, if they can pressure those two tackles. Um, I believe they, they definitely have more than the chance. Okay. They can get that done. All right. And that's going because number 15, man, he's just he's scared. <laughs> he's scared. He's scared, man. When, you know, when, yeah. he, when he has a chance to sit back there and pick who he wants to throw the ball to, right. it's hard to beat him. Well, and it's a thing, too, where, where you know, they've played the Chiefs this year, yeah. right? So yeah. th that's got to help. Yeah. So yeah. I, I thought the Bulls' adjustments, right, when he – when he went to cover two and cover four, because the Bucks play a lot of cover one, right? A lot of a lot of and single press You can't do that. Yes. Yeah, you can't. You, that's, Tyreek Hill is a person who needs the Randy Moss gameplay. Right, exactly. And and so when when you when you look at that game in quarters two through four, I thought Bowles made those those awesome adjustments, right? He he went to cover two, cover four, and they only scored ten points over the last three quarters. Patrick was in the second half yeah. only threw for 103 yards in a touchdown. They slowed the Chiefs down. And if they won more possession, all of a sudden, the Bucks might win this game. You know, they might have come back to win. And the key is, just like when you're talking about if a team gets up, you have to keep your foot on the back. Right. Because both of these teams are capable of changing momentum. And, yes. You know what I mean? Right. And, exactly. And bringing the game. So if you get somebody down, you have to keep your foot on their throat. Or... It won't end, I think. That's right. And, and so that being said, it's interesting because they have played the Chiefs before. They know what they're going to get into. Now, there's, there's two X factors on the Bucks' defense. The Bucks didn't have Jamel Dean, their fastest corner. You know, and twice, we know what a fast corner can do. You're the fastest cornerback in Tampa. <laughs> and you played. Is Antoine playing? Antoine's going to play. Okay. Yes, he's playing. 
uh, Whitehead's going to play. But Vita Bea, the nose tackle, is yeah, going to play. I was talking he, to my brother about him earlier. Right. He wasn't playing in, in Week 12. So that's that's a different factor there. So you have, you have two guys that Kansas City didn't play before. So I, I think the advantage goes to the Buccaneers because of that. Yeah. Now, the interesting I mean, thing is, you know, like I said, the key oh, is – to if you do make plays early, to not take your foot off the pedal, right? Because right. what we've seen, we've seen Kansas City get down, yeah, in playoff games, right? I mean, by 20 points, and he'll come back. So, <laughs> yes. the key is to not think the game is over, right? Until it's over, right? Now, the other thing, too, is, is you guys didn't play the Raiders that year, but you kind of did. In practice, with John oh, yeah. Gruden as quarterback. That, 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 that week of practice was probably the, the, uh, a degree in getting a master. Yes, you right, mean, exactly. You yeah. get a master in just a week. Right. Now, now, the thing, too, is, is it's interesting, right? We talked about kind of the fate and the, the karma that's coming to this year with Brady coming in the offseason. But, yeah, they still, you know, they, they dethrone the Saints. They beat the bully. They go ahead and they – they, uh, they they play the Super Bowl in, in their own stadium. Back then, it was a similar type of thing with Gruden. He didn't get here until February. You guys were with that a coach the whole month of January. He fired Dungy, and then you know, they, you know they was playing all the way up until the AFC Championship game. What's that? The Raiders. Yes. So we yeah. couldn't. We had to wait. Exactly, and and they finally made the trade, got Gruden. He got in late with with offensive coaches he'd never worked with before, and that offense was a work in progress because you guys had to carry the team all the way through. They really started didn't, they didn't get going until, until the end, right? Maybe like, the Vikings game late in the season or the playoffs. Forty sure. Niners game. Like yeah. the playoffs is when they. Show what they brought down. Right, right. So I remember talking. Remember the, the back porch at, at the woodshed, right? The, <laughs> uh, workout area. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember talking to Keyshawn Johnson, and he he was so pissed at me because I, I, I had Peter Report magazine back in the day. Remember the magazine yep. to pass out, mm-hmm. and and Keyshawn uh, went up to me and and he read my prediction for the Philly game. And I predicted the Eagles. I remember that. Yeah, I remember you remember that. him picking that, right? I remember that. So Keyshawn wasn't the only person pissed at me. You probably were that. too. And so, so Keyshawn's like, he's like, Scott, what the, what the hell is this bullshit? You know, you picking uh, us to, to, you know, to lose to the Eagles? I said, honestly, Keyshawn, the Eagles have beat you guys so many times. We lost to them during the year. That year. That's right. Yeah. And and I said, you know, plus, plus the the, the, the years with, with Dungey, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I said, listen, Keyshawn, no offense, but it's like, like honestly. Until you beat them, I have to like pick them, right? Until you show me you can beat them, right? And and you know what he said to me? He, he said, Scott, you don't understand. We got this. We got this. Now you know Keyshawn and John were not like cool best buddies, right? They were not bosom buddies. They were not best friends. But he told me off the record that afternoon. He said, you you don't understand. He said, Gruden's got them. This game plan we got. We have got them. We're going to win this game. And and it's rare that Keyshawn would speak highly of John, right? Yeah, because Keyshawn killed our season next year. Yeah. That's a talk for another He did, right? Yeah. But the thing is, though, is, is, is I mean, he, he was a believer. Like, you guys going up to Philly, you knew you were going to beat them, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing was, I think back on that year, and 
it wasn't many games we didn't think he was going to win. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the, the key was the, the offense had so much belief in us. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. they, they didn't think they had to go and score 28, right. 35 points to win the game. So right. They felt that they scored 21 points, we was going to win. I know. You know what I mean? So, we went in almost every game believing that we was going to win. Yeah. Well, and you did, and it culminated in the Super Bowl, and quite hopefully it culminates in the Super Bowl again. So, uh, you're not you're not predicting anything but a lot of points. I, I, I don't want to be the one who said they say he's jinxed him or he did this. So I don't I don't want to say who I, I think is going to win or lose. Okay, gotcha. But but I, I think that if the Buccaneers do win on Monday, you're going to be a, a happy camper, right? I live here. That's right. You know what I mean? All right. So here's here's a loaded question for you. Now we'll end with this. All right, so if, if this Buccaneer team beats Patrick Mahomes, the defending Super Bowl champions, okay, you guys were 12-4. and four. You, Both of these teams have won 15 games, right? You guys won 15 that, that year, including the playoffs, you know, postseason, right, and all this. So which Super Bowl champion would would be better? No, because them? the – you got to remember, they beat Drew Brees, Andrew, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. We don't have three Hall of Fame you, you quarterbacks. Jeff, Jeff Garcia, Donovan McNabb, and Rich Cannon. Average, average, and average. Donovan McNabb's average. I love it. <laughs> Still taking care of Philly to this day. you got to love it. <laughs> average, average, and average. Man. Yeah. Like, really, that's why Andy Reid was able to get over the hump yeah. with Patrick Mahomes. Right. Because... He is all the things that Donovan McNabb is not. Right. That's awesome. Dude, you always speak your mind. Not to be yeah. way. <laughs> exactly. Love having this guy. Uh, in, in my heart and mind, uh, there's two Super Bowl MVPs. There's Dexter Jackson, and then there's the real McCoy, this guy right here. Twice I appreciate you, thanks, thanks for joining. You've always been a friend of PeterReport.com. Appreciate you, having you out, man. That's up. Exactly. Dwight, oh. we're going to have you feast on some amazing food from Glory Days here at Carrollwood. And, uh, and just enjoy your meal, man. So I appreciate you coming out. out. Yep, thank you. Yep. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Oh. So, so, John Leger, we, we have had a, a, a power pack two hours here. Yeah, it's gone fast. I know, right? It has, exactly. I, I spent a lot of time on air watching everyone else eat. So, you know what that means? I'm getting hungry. I, I can eat. I only, I only drank half the margarita that I, that I uh, ordered. Uh, so, folks, listen. Uh, we're not kidding when we say Glory Days Grill is a fantastic place to eat. And we're not kidding when we say Celsius is a fantastic beverage, right? And and, and I, I'm i not saying top five, John. This might be number six. Oh, yeah, six. It might be number six. We're not to do a ranking. Yeah, it, exactly. It's sweet. And, and I, I, I like sweet when I was younger. As I'm getting older now, I, I don't like it as much. But this is a very good taste of Celsius right here. Yeah. No, it's been – it's. Celsius has uh, been one of the finds of the year for me. I've talked about it at length on here. So love them. Love them being down here. Glory Days has been great. It's been great to have this setup uh, and be in this restaurant atmosphere and everything and while we're doing the show and have tons of fans coming up to us when we're not on air and saying how much they love this content and stuff. And yeah, I think our fans are great. I think this it's been a fun show today, Shay. Feel a little bit cheap. We'll talk more about that. Probably uh, next week or another time. We'll okay, but see, here's the interesting thing, right? The interesting thing is, is he goes on WDA, our, our good friends and partners, and he says one thing. He comes out here. He didn't mention anything about Super Bowls being illegitimate. He, he didn't say that, that there was anything 
In fact, um, a lot of comments that suggested the opposite. Exactly. So, exactly. Exactly. So, so I think he went the right route. Yeah. Not bring it up. It seemed like he's making his point. And you know what? I, I told Dwight earlier. I said, "Listen, you're you're free to speak freely, and right. and I'll ask questions. You can answer them. Say what you want. I'm a big believer in freedom of speech, and and uh, I don't want to stifle anybody. But but uh, Dwight said what he wanted to say on the show, and um, and, and I, I think it, I think at the end of the day, right. Uh, just, just my two cents, and allow you to expound on this too as we wrap up. It's not like Rich Gannon said, "Hey, Dwight, this is going to be the big uh, six here, right?" It's nothing like that, right? It just isn't. It's not. It's not the wink of the nod. It, it's, it's the fact that that, that listen. Um, do some fans feel like like the NFL is is rigged? Well, you know what, John, I, I, you could ask the Saints fans. Sure. Um, it, when, when you when you're when you're looking at that 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 Rams game, that no call, right? And that was the year that the Rams were out there in L.A. and and, and you know did they want the Rams in the in the Super Bowl because of the L.A. market? You know, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories, and, and, and you can look at things a lot, a lot of different ways. The Saints felt like they were robbed. They felt like they were robbed not just once but twice. The Vikings did it the next year with another no call. So that's what's so great about the sport is the debate, right? Um, is websites like my bookie where you can place bets uh, 